0: Hello, Heron. Hi, Tom. As is my usual uh, <laughs> way with this podcast, I have a list of topics, but I'm assuming that you have a few topics to
1: discuss as well. Um, no, not really. I mean, I I could, but if you've got a list, let's go with yours. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, should we start by talking about, was it last night or the night before? It was the night before. It was Wednesday
1: Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. Yeah. How was that? Oh, it was great. It was great fun. I I was really impressed by the, well, first of all, this has been going on for like 30 years apparently. (laughs) Every year the communication department there has like a week uh, where they put on all these seminars and things. And it's, and it's a way for the communication students to get a hands-on experience at, um, you know, producing events. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, there must have been 20 people you know involved well and, and actually there were uh, apparently on wednesday evening there were more than 60 speakers on campus in different venues uh-huh uh you know and they had a nice really nice green room set up uh-huh. uh with really nice food uh-huh. <laughs> and, and everybody what i was i was just knocked out by how friendly and helpful all of the people involved in it were uh-huh i mean i mean you know sometimes you you know people are act friendly you know or smile and say okay certainly but 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 my sense was every single person I talked to. I had their complete attention. Mm. It was it was stunning. I, I I really you know I mean I I've tended to stay away you know become a hermit because you know, there's just so much bullshit. I just was stunned by the quality of of, of the people who uh, ran this thing. It was it was mm. amazing. You know all students, mm. mostly very attractive women too. I might add. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: Heron. So they could they could draw you out of your hermit hole yet.
1: My hermit hole. That's good. I like that. Yeah, Heron's hermit hole. Yes, but they were anyway. Um, and and of course, talking for eighteen minutes. I mean, I've always known this. You know. I mean, I can talk for four hours easy. I know. I know this. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Uh fifteen minutes is just ridiculous, and i'd forgotten the the amount of discipline it takes to actually say uh, something fifteen minutes uh-huh. if in fifteen minutes you just can't stand up well, I mean you could and I did <laughs> you know I started off with like thirty pages of notes, oh no, five or six main points um and i and I actually got through two of them. <laughs> But it worked out okay. You know, I mean, the thing is, I said a few really outrageous things, and, and it was beautiful. It was like, I don't know, maybe a 100 people there or something. And I and I started off by asking everyone who's under 25 to raise their hand, and it was like 90% of the audience. Oh, you very know? good. So uh, I started off and repeated several times, the voice in your head is not something you are doing. It's something happening to you. And I repeated that several times. And you know, over the fifteen minutes, yeah. And I'm sure that there were a few people in there who got—I don't know if they got it, but I mean, they were clearly puzzled by all that stuff. And, and enjoying, it. and um, they had. Um, well, I went into a sort of question and answer thing, and there was what five other speakers—a total of six mm-hmm. speakers—and I I listened to one of them, but but basically I left and just went to the green room and had some good food and, and tried to figure out what the hell I was going to say. I was the fifth speaker. Oh, you would last on the night. No, I was next to last Jack, the, the oh, guy okay. who, the he was the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but I, I, no, no, actually I was fourth, not, not fifth. Okay. Anyway, uh, you know, the, the plan was to speak for the max time was 18 minutes. Yeah. And, um, and then, They were going to have short question and answer after each one, but no, none of the other speakers, nobody had any questions for them. Uh But, uh, mine was great. They were full of questions. There were all sorts of people asking questions and they had to stop it. Wow. uh, To, to, you know, so I was quite pleased with it. But next time, if I get an opportunity to speak for 15 minutes, I'm going to be, well, I'm, I'm going to approach it very differently than I did this time. So. Yes. Yeah. Basically, in 15 minutes, that's just not enough time to do anything. All, at least the way I look at it and what I, and, and I did it. It worked, but I could have been better at it. Yeah. Which is basically to shock them, offend them, uh, say something that they just can't get their head around, uh, surprise them, confuse them. And, and then have some questions and answers. Yes. (laughs) And, and I could have been much more provocative than I was. And and because I wasn't focused, you know, I I was rambling on about shit like I had three hours to talk. Yeah. Yeah,
0: No, it's very different. I. I've done disciplined, like I've done 30 minutes that has then had to be condensed down to 15, that has then had to be condensed down to 8. And I actually <laughs> did it part of, as part of my last job. I was giving a presentation and they said, we need it in three formats. We need 30, 15 and 8 minutes. Yeah. And you have to convey basically exactly the same information yeah. in each group. It's quite a discipline to do. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah it's not fun, yeah I much prefer to have a lot of time to just sort of ramble and yes. and then some interaction with people that's yes. that's always the best part is when people start coming up with questions then and then it gets fun, so do you think you'll do the same next year if you have the opportunity? oh if anybody listen, I'll go speak anytime you know if anybody wants me to speak, I'll be happy to do it <laughs> right it's fun like yes. I yeah uh, I was just so knocked out by the 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 people involved in it, the students who were putting it on and, you know, they were recording it and managing the green room in the park. I mean, they had every part of this thing from the moment I pulled in. uh, There's this one really nice looking girl was sort of my personal assistant. Oh, very nice. (laughs) You know, who showed me around. And I mean she wasn't really mine, but she made me feel that way uh-huh. uh, but there were there were like three or four of them for the six of us
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh and they were just always sort of around and always very attentive uh, you know it was it was really really very nice uh-huh did you hear Dave Rolls speak as well no, was he- no i no I, he was right after me, and uh Marie and Justin were there, as you know, mm-hmm. and um, so they and I met up in the green room and oh. and talked for a little while, and then I went back and listened. I wanted to hear Jack's talk because he's he's the guy who put it all oh, on. Yes. And I, you know, and he found out la- the other night who I was, and I still didn't know who he was. So, <laughs> so I listened to, and I missed part of his because uh Marie and Justin and I were talking for a while, so.
0: So in terms of the audio or the video or anything like that, you you mentioned, I think, in a Facebook post that you didn't think the video was going to be made available because the
1: lighting conditions were I I don't know. I I have no idea. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff... You know, I don't really care about audio quality, and I feel the same way about video in a sense. I mean... You know, it's as good as it is. If it's useful, fine. You know, I mean, of course it's better if it's all done very professionally, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether the video is going to be any good or not. Okay. And I was not standing up on, I mean, they had, that's the thing is the people there who really didn't know what they were doing with the lights. They had the stage set up so that it, but even the stage wasn't very well lit. But I was down, you know, on the floor in front of the stage, Mm. talk from there. And so, you know, I don't even think the audio is very good because um I had a lapel mic on and uh, a couple times it was feeding back. Oh, yes. You know, yes. and then if I turned my head one way, well, it would blast. And if I turned my head the other way, it didn't Go blast. silent, yeah. yes. So mm-hmm. uh, who knows? But there's there's nothing I said that everybody here hasn't heard 50 times. Certainly, yes. Like, you're not going to miss anything. Yes, advanced Estonian folk listen
0: to <laughs> the Age podcast.
1: Yeah, if you have no idea. Well, if you have no idea who the hell I am, then I'd suggest go listen to the five stupidities and and skip this thing (laughs) yes yes but the main thing is is it was fun see (laughs) you know i found myself
0: today actually in the afternoon flicking through the podcast ratings that itunes puts up Mm -hmm. we are number 290 in philosophy heron really our our friend kmo is number seven in philosophy, wow. So I don't know what the. What are you going to set a goal here? <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be at least <laughs> number hundred. We're going to knock him out, right? I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll touch. It's interesting actually because my suspicion, <laughs> looking at them, because a number of the podcasts that were around us, they hadn't recorded any podcasts since two thousand and twelve or two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> so my suspicion is this is an old rating that iTunes just hasn't updated. But I'm going to go back periodically yeah. to uh, see if there's any fluctuation.
1: I, I think if we want more, we're going to have to be come a little more defined, even if it's just an illusion. Screw definition. <laughs> Screw definition. All right, listen, it's your podcast. No, man. look, I mean, I think you
0: need to look at the podcasts that surround us in terms of audio quality, yeah. in terms of just general information, and then you can make an assessment about what we need to be doing. I I think KMO obviously just in terms of sheer number has a number of more podcasts than we have recorded together, but also there may be something about KMO's format that just people are more receptive to. I was thinking about this through the week and wondering if there was almost a need for not necessarily Reader's Digest, but perhaps a Stone Age Digest podcast where it was like one of our. 15- or 20-minute wrapping sessions on a particular topic, because you can slice and dice these things. There's yeah. quite a bit of waffle in there. Oh, yeah. But actually,
1: they could be re-edited into all
0: sorts of formats. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I was thinking about that, actually. The best of the Stone Age. Well, (laughs) or maybe just specific (laughs) topics, because, I mean, we do repeat ourselves quite a bit. Yeah. And I think there are certainly, like, within specific topics. I did put it out to the listeners through the Facebook group maybe two or three months ago. You know, what is your favourite Stone Ape recording? Why is it your favourite? But I
1: think... Did uh, you get any response from that? Oh, yes.
0: I think... Someone had been listening through the fifties and had a couple of the fifties that they liked. I've actually been going back through this week, and I went back and listened to oh, probably God. the first three it's hours shuttered. of a four and a half hour <laughs> recording, and that actually had a number of interesting bits in it, yeah. which I think could be cut back. And there are certainly cringe worthy yeah. topics too. Yeah, but yeah. it's also the thing that could easily translate to YouTube. And I've been thinking. Ah, um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So somewhere around, I think number. I'm Maybe it was 180, because Model Rail Radio was number 132 in hobbies, whatever that means. But uh, my Reality recording, or maybe it was 116. No, my Reality recording was ahead of us in philosophy. And what I'm thinking of doing... (laughs) Oh, Reality, Reality, which is my monologue. What I'm thinking of doing, because I've already started this, is recording a series of 15-minute videos... With me in front of a whiteboard actually giving short format kind of lectures associated with various ideas in Noble Ape. I think I could easily do about 20 of those. Sure. And put them up on YouTube, but also put them in the, yeah, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Because. Really, I, you know, I periodically get contacted maybe, I don't know, once every other week or, you know, once a month by folks who are Noble 8 devotees and they're just getting in contact with me just to say, you know, thank you.
1: Yeah, give Um, them something to observe and participate in. It's interesting,
0: actually, because the net that's been cast through Model Rail Radio... I don't think could necessarily exist with some of these esoteric topics, but the sufficient number of things that, uh, you know, I could record on them quite easily. Yeah.
1: and more- Well, it's a specific, yeah. I mean, it's it's a slightly narrower topic than railroad, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that, or, or more refined, you know, that you're not going to have as many people for that, obviously. But there are, you know, you don't need that many. So there's a The physics, whole point is just yeah. to meet those ones, those yeah. few who can actually help. There's know? a
0: physics simulation that I'm subscribed to on YouTube, and, and it's software, fundamentally. And he was doing a demonstration associated with explosions in his environment. And he was specifically pitching it, well, subtly, actually... To game developers. And I mm-hmm. thought this is really interesting. This is like esoteric simulation software, but he's intentionally, you know, pointing out how you could utilize these kind of concepts in a game if you were yeah. writing a game. Yeah. Right. So I think there's something in that kind of multifaceted pitch that, uh, yeah. you know, might work out. Yeah. Well. It
1: goes out. You say it's for one thing, but actually you may have five or six agendas going on in, yes. in producing it.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: I've been going through some of Bob Mottram's code specifically associated
0: with there's a what's called the vascular simulation in Noble Ape, which simulates heart and internal blood and this kind of stuff. Um, also breathing, respiration, this kind of stuff as well. And um, I've found a number of issues with the code. Bugs, for want of a better term. What's the new, what's the new fashion term? Glitches. So <laughs> I'm going through this code currently with a large rewrite in mind, and I think... These are the kind of things for, like, the hardcore noble ape aficionados that I could record down and talk about specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah it would be fun to talk with them. And, and Yes. Yeah, and just hear what they've got to say. Yeah, my uh, spiritual advisor through the
0: week was pointing out that it really is very curious. I mean, we recorded, our last up recording had about 30 minutes of us wrapping on a language monkey simulation what would a, or a language yeah. simulation more importantly. Yeah. And it's interesting actually because one of the folks who are building their own simulations commented quite strongly, uh, Chris McIntosh I think is his name, in the uh, StoneApe Facebook group that this was an amazing conversation. I think it, it was very tightly tailored to the specific niche. I'm not sure if any other folk listening to it got as much out of it as the likes well, of us. You know,
1: well, well see this is what I keep saying is that I'm here because I find the conversation stimulating. Yes. And if there's no audience. I mean, I, I talked about you know narrowing it down to, but frankly, I don't give a shit about the audience. Yeah. I mean, I do. I mean, I, that's, that's not true. I do. I care a lot. I want these ideas in the world, and I I care about that shit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, if it wasn't fun to to do it, then I wouldn't be here. And I don't really, care. you know, if we if if there are only three people out there who actually are really getting something useful out of this, that's fine with me. Yeah. In one of the recordings I was listening
0: to through the week, you mentioned that you'd once looked down the barrel of a police shotgun.
1: <laughs> Two police shotguns. Two police in fact. shotguns. Yeah. yeah, this sounds like a story worth telling, Heron. What, what? Oh, I didn't explain what. No. It, what, oh, uh, it's it's not very interesting, really. I at the time, of course, I was a hippie and I had really long hair and drove a Volkswagen bus. Okay. Uh-huh. And I was a janitor. I went to college and I uh, had my own janitorial business and I cleaned doctors' offices at night uh-huh. and in uh, and labs and stuff. And, um, uh, so I just pulled up in front of th- one of my clients. Well, one of my good friends was a doctor, a guy I played music with for years. No, you told me about that. Uh, okay. Yes, uh, yes. He, uh, so anyway, um, he, he was in a little building that had, I think, five doctors yeah. plus a lab. Okay. And, um, and I cleaned everything except one of the doctors there. So I, I went in there twice a week to clean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I brought my dog with me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, I pulled up and I, I did the same thing. I did the same routine every time I pull up in front, get out, wheel my buckets in and stuff yeah. and do my job and then leave. Well, apparently somebody saw a hippie in a van pull up and carrying some equipment into this place that was closed. Mm-hmm. And they called the police. Mm-hmm. And I was in the lab at the moment and I uh, came out, I was, you know, gonna go get something, and I opened the door and there were two cops standing there with shotguns. Yes. Pointed at me. Yes. <laughs> yes and they i mean actually it it took them about 10 seconds to figure out that you know i was the janitor you know that everything was okay so i mean it 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 wasn't like it went through a big dramatic thing yes they they just said who are you and i said i'm cleaning up and they went oh okay (laughs) (laughs) and then they left very good but for a couple of seconds there (laughs) it was pretty interesting yes it's
0: it's funny, I mean, I do reflect on this, particularly with police in this country, California cops in particular. The whole nature of inter- interacting with the public with a shotgun pointing <laughs> at the public as the default stance. Like, you're interacting yeah. with the public, and your first experience interacting with the public is yes. to point a shotgun at them.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I can understand, you know? I mean, somebody's breaking into a, to a medical lab, you know? That's the, probably the call they got. However,
0: the, there are a number of ways in which you can approach this situation and using deadly force as the initial reaction to it. This is America. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, well, it's interesting, actually, because I mean, if you want to change America or if you want to at least create some degree of reform or self-reflection in these circumstances, then you have to be able to frame this situation to identify that their behavior is just slightly curious in these
1: circumstances interesting i see i'm not sure i mean i really wasn't that offended by it i mean like i say, i can understand uh their thinking you they walk know, it into a situation yes. and uh and you have no idea what what could happen next you know so they, they may very well have had safeties on those those guns i don't yeah. know I mean, I didn't ask, <laughs> but yes. but um, I mean, I, like I say, I, I, well, yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> I you know, I mean, there are a number of incidents where people have been shot and killed in these circumstances oh, yeah. because yeah.
1: of this police yeah. approach with guns. Throwing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it could have been that way. But like I say, these guys, uh, they were pretty cool. You know, about they they apologized and they said, listen, I, we didn't know. We got a call. Yeah, We showed up. And like I say, they they picked up on who I was almost immediately. Yes. So it wasn't like there was this big drawn-out uh, question-and-answer thing and Certainly. frisking and laying on the ground or anything. Yeah. Just, you know, they could see I was there cleaning up, and so they left. And this would have been in the mid-'70s or early-'70s. Oh, uh, something like that, yeah. So this is after your piano tuning business? Uh, it might very well have been... No, no. It, before? No, it was probably during. I mean, I, I did both for okay. a while. Uh, this would have been before the piano... Well, God, I don't know. You ask me all these tough questions, you know. God, yes. give, give me a break, man. I can't <laughs> remember all this shit. Somewhere through the later part of my misspent youth,
0: I think I was probably about 16, 17, maybe 17, I was in a what they call college in Australia, which is just the last two years of high school. And I knew this girl who I sat next to in science class, I think maybe physics or what have you. And we struck up quite a friendship, but I knew immediately that there was something really quite wrong with her. And I found out through this period that she was a fundamentalist Christian, which was actually quite strange because I, she said that her sister was really good at drawing and was really interested in working on... It wouldn't have been Noble Ape at the time. I don't think... I I can't fit this together. Maybe I I had another need for an artist. Maybe I knew her... I don't think I knew her through university. Anyway, we're friends on Facebook. And she now has five children. (laughs) <laughs> she must be a Catholic. No, she's not a Catholic. <laughs> she's some other form of fundamentalist Christian. Oh, okay. So, through the Easter period, which if it weren't for my friends in Australia, I would not actually know when Easter is. I mean, it's one of these yeah. curious things where you've got no natural indicator in the US that it's Easter. Um Everywhere else I've lived, the UK and Australia have public holidays, at least for Good Friday. Yeah. Uh, but really? not,
1: not here. Really? That's, yeah. that's surprising. Yeah. I mean, you think, I mean, that's just backwards from my expectations. Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, the U.S., it's, I mean, when, when the fundamentalists talk
0: about it being God's country, they really don't appreciate that, um, it's really just a capitalist country on some <laughs> fundamental level. You know, getting the work, having yeah, the workers yeah. have a day off to celebrate some religious thing, you know, the resurrection of their savior. Well, but I mean, I can, in America,
1: not... I can understand that, you know, with all the Christians hanging around and stuff, you know, but, yeah. uh, in other parts of the world, I'm a little surprised that they f- give Easter a holiday. I mean, in Europe, you're saying it, it's a holiday in Europe? In, um, in Australia and in England, it's a holiday
0: really
1: so, an, yeah. an and how holiday. the hell do they justify that
0: i don't know how they justify it i mean <laughs> it is it's, it's funny because i think these countries embrace holidays
1: considerably more uh, what than, about hanukkah is that an no, official no that's not a holiday but i mean uh, they embrace okay. so holidays considerably... Work. just christians yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, it, it, but it's interesting because here i mean with work we really don't i mean i was looking and seeing that memorial day is coming up and I don't know whether or not we'll celebrate it. We have very strange practices at work. We basically yeah. completely, you know, not, holidays, like public holidays, are just something that's separate. Um, yeah. And, you know, we don't, I mean, sometimes we celebrate them, but I don't, I don't recall. I think I took 4th of July, I'm pretty sure I did, last year. But yeah. anyway, so through this period, she took her children, and I'm assuming her husband as well, to Easterfest. And Easterfest is like a Christian rock festival. Oh, so oh, I that had, ought to be exciting. I had <laughs> I had three days worth of photo streaming. Of and this Cl- is in Australia. This is in Australia. Okay. Of Easterfest, and the first thing that struck me is that I'm really very surprised that fundamentalist Christians support rock music. I mean, At it, all. Strikes, yeah. me, it yeah. strikes me as like a gateway. Well, to but see. have you ever
1: heard any of that
0: rock? Oh, applause? no, believe me, yes. This is the interesting thing because as yeah, she was putting it's up. It's hardly this, rock. As you know? she was putting up these photos of these things, I thought, well, I might as well <laughs> Google the groups and hear what they sound like. No, you're yeah. right. It has. I mean, to are, is there any
1: heavy metal Christian <laughs> music? Yes. yes yeah.
0: <laughs> the group Slayer, for a period of time, had some Christian elements to it. I oh, mean, really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? So it's quite curious the... Uh... <laughs> Well, Pantera is well. Actually, Pantera can't be Christian rock because Pantera is supposedly, you know, Jesus's Roman father's name or Roman whatever centurion father's name. So, you know, there are a lot, there are plenty of, there are plenty of Christian references in rock, in you know, heavy metal and what. Happened. Oh
1: yeah, because, yeah, but it's yeah. usually anti-Christian.
0: Well, it's usually yeah. I mean, Judas Priest or trans-Christian always, yes. or something.
1: You know, it's certainly yeah. not devout Christian. No,
0: no. So anyway, as I was looking at these groups I realised that there were substantial numbers of people coming to attend. I mean, truth be told, when I was 17, I DJed for a Pentecostal, like, heavy metal rap funk group just because I love DJing and I'd DJ yeah, for any yeah, anybody. Group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it was actually quite interesting touring with them because they would pack, you know, they would pack high school gyms and things like that with kids. It's one of the few experiences I've had where, in in this period of my life at least, where I guess I was desirable to a large group of women. It was a very strange experience, actually. We DJed in one place, and then halfway through the set, I had a few songs where I wasn't playing. So I went down and I danced in the audience, and all these, you know, they had all the kind of cool guys, they were all over on one side, and then the girls kind of flopped over to me, because I was the DJ in this group. And we yeah. danced for about like 20 minutes with these kind of scantily clad 16 and 17 year old girls all around me. Wait, and a Christian, back,
1: wait a minute, a Christian, yes. scantily clad. yes. Okay. No, the thing about it, what you've got to appreciate <laughs> with regards to, and I
0: should, I was debating actually putting up photos of Easterfest, is that the, the, it's like a, I don't know what it is, but it's not, the, the whole notion of what a established, you know, Christian religions are like. I mean, in this country, even Baptists are kind of established Christian religions. In Australia, it was slightly more, you know, Baptists were slightly more, uh, curious. Yeah. But no, their whole, um, It's all honey bait. It's all about using very primitive means to gather together large flocks here. And I I think this whole notion of, you know, uh, moral fortitude and, you know, leather skirts down to, you know, their uh, calves is not the way these... uh, these groups operated. They were just looking for as many sinners as possible. And
1: <laughs> I never we- thought about it that no, way. Yeah, right, no, yeah, yes. it was
0: all sense. Yeah, it was all honeypot. And it was actually quite curious because I was seen as being this desirable person in this group. I guess, I don't know. It was very, very strange for me, but I realized that we were fundamentally different creatures. Yeah. Like there was no way I could have like any long term. No, Although have- actually my, my Taiwanese. Malay girlfriend through the latter part of my time at university was a former Pentecostal and she knew a lot of the different, like, you know, I knew all the various things associated with was speaking in tongues and things like that. And she was at least a reformed Pentecostal. Well, but that.
1: that's the key. Reformed. Yeah. You know, she's know. been uh, woken up, you yeah. know. Saved. <laughs> yeah, saved from the Pentecostals. <laughs> yeah. The
0: thing that struck me about this whole phenomena, though, looking at the Easter Fest photos, was that this is the whole, f- we've talked a little bit about the guru. We've talked a little bit about being the speaker in front of the audience. I'm running another Conscious in the Cloud in mid-June and I'm actually now getting quite interesting people who are joining up this group and are coming to attend and I guess I'll get to talk in, you know, a few... A few attendances time. The potential for Ray K to attend is becoming more and more present, Aaron. Happen by K- the K. Oh, oh of- uh, Kurzweil. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The end of, uh, of the year, if this keeps uh, up its momentum.
1: Speaking at, uh, Conscious in the Cloud. Potentially so, yeah. Shit. Well, that would probably draw an audience. Yeah.
0: I think, <laughs> I think the iterations here is is working in that direction the more folk that i bring yeah. on board the more who seem to yeah uh, well who seem to come
1: yeah we'll see won't we yeah that'll be interesting to see how that develops but for a
0: moment i reflected through the week or actually at the end of last weekend whether I was just creating another Easter fest, whether this was just a, <laughs> another notion of a, a, just a different group of brain-damaged folk gathering together. Well, to probably. That's one their... way to look at it. Yes. I mean, it's
1: not about the way it is. There are just multiple, uh, multiple maps for this, and that's yes. a, a valid one.
0: Yes. So, yeah, staring at these, well, mainly the backs of the heads of these uh, Christian folk, I thought, there's another way to do this. I mean, there's a way to do this that we do quite successfully associated with just recording remotely. But certainly,
1: as you found this week, perhaps there is a need to get out and squish. Yeah, once in a while, I think, you know, I I don't mind. I actually had fun with this and I Mm -hmm. like it. And it is a way to get to talk to new people. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I have nothing against it. I enjoy it, really. I, I, I Actually, I'm expecting to be doing a lot more of that in the future.
0: Yeah, it is something that I guess I'm going to be doing a lot more of as well. Have you been following this, uh, Clive and Bundy guy in Nevada situation?
1: Oh, no. I mean, I've, I, I look at, uh, you know, Google News a couple times a day yeah. and I've seen it and I read a couple things, his, his things on slavery and yeah. stuff. And, uh, but no, I don't, I mean, I haven't really given it much thought. So
0: I've been, not necessarily. Our, our listener Marty Fisher raised this about four weeks ago, because I guess he's on the pulse of the far right associated with tailoring his YouTube clips to their particular interests. <laughs> and um, the thing that struck me at the time was that he his cows were like welfare mothers and I didn't put that out in any particular form and I should have because I think Mother Jones has come out this week with an expose on how his cows are welfare
1: mothers and I thought this is a meme that I could have gotten early but in fact lost that's a good know, one yeah the, the notion that yeah yeah, he's been uh, yeah grazing for free for a long time yes I mean the phenomena associated
0: with and this is another reaction I have that I haven't put out and I haven't seen in the media where was the militia? When people were getting illegally evicted from their homes by the police in Nevada, I mean, the militia seems to come out like it's just a wealthy man's elite army turning <laughs> up whenever you know their favorite radio pundit starts, you know, talking about yeah, this. Nut. Yeah,
1: yeah, how? Yeah, apparently that's how it works, though. I mean, you're right; they pick up on it through the media somehow, mm. and it and it catches them and. That, that's all they need. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know if we have any militia folk who listen to
0: this particular podcast, but I would put it out to them. I'd be surprised if we do. I don't know, Harry. <laughs> I but think... That- I that would be great if we did, though. The sheer numbers yeah. that we have, maybe somewhere within there, there's at least someone who's sympathetic or married to someone in the militia.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess the point I would well, make is... there are is, probably some militias that aren't totally insane,
0: too. Well, it's interesting, because, I mean, my my study of the Michigan militia and certainly those that have moved to Alaska and these kind of areas, is that they're probably the kind of folk who, uh, you know, if, if you were lost or if you had a flat tire or something very helpful. You know, indeed. they'd probably yeah, cook right, you a yeah. meal or you'd yeah. sit you down with your... F- yeah. I, mean, I think the the problem that the militia has had is and I'm I'm probably more sympathetic than your average lefty to the militia because I think really if you look at the formalized structures that we have available to us in this country, they kind of irk me a little bit. Well, they what I don't like about them is
1: their nationalism.
0: The interesting thing and I've done this relatively... Not necessarily successfully, but at least to stir up some kind of controversial discussion, is that you can move very close to them and then sow seeds of disbelief. I mean, this is the interesting thing with this Clive Bundy thing, is that if you look at him as being very much of cut of the same cloth, well, I mean, his, his buddies with the governor of nevada the (laughs) governor of nevada (laughs) has come out to support him he's got buddies in local government and state government in both nevada and utah Yeah. So you know, he seems to be very much like the establishment and just the wealthy elite. Uh, He doesn't strike me as being (laughs) particularly
1: revolutionary at all. And I think the phenomenon. No, he even seems kind of. I I saw a video of him, Mm -hmm. uh, and he actually looks like a fairly nice, honest guy who's trying to be sincere. Mm. You know. It strikes me that when people protest
0: the banks or when people protest uh, a variety of things, they're typically thrown to the ground and arrested very quickly. None of this guy none of these guys his supporters and his children and their supporters no one was arrested like that. A few people were pushed over in a scuffle, but no one was actually arrested. I mean when I look at the what happened at the Republican convention, the democratic yeah. conventions where they're just tear gassed and arrested on mass.
1: Well, you say the governor has supported this guy. Yeah.
0: Well I mean that tells you a lot right there. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean the reason he's gotten away with this grazing policy for the past twenty 20 years is because he's uh it's all cronyism he knows everyone in the yeah. local government
1: yeah yeah just just look yeah. the
0: other way it's just him it's just yeah, exactly it's just it's climate deal yeah. you know yeah <laughs> so there's there's no there's no additional analysis that goes on in the media in fact what strikes me is his family purchased the property in 1948 and they found the records associated with that. Someone found one of the news reports found that. But most of the other news articles have been written about this quote his version, which is that his family's been there through the from the mid 19th century. Yeah. And that is, strikes me as very curious. If you and That's quite, just not true. It's just not true. <laughs> his family purchased. Well, uh, it might not have been
1: documented.
0: You know, I mean, no, they no, might no, have... no, no, no. They bought it from someone else who was not a Bundy and was not related to... And prior
1: to 1948, they had absolutely no connection to that land at all. No connection whatsoever. So, okay, so the the property has been there as a unit on the records since 1850 or something. Yes. They bought it in 19... How interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just had heard that they'd been there for a long time, generations. Yes. Well, I mean, that's a very nice story to present to people. Yeah, it's a great story. (laughs) much better than they just bought
0: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was was listening to (laughs) Terrence McKenna through the week and he was talking about language. And he had this beautiful metaphor that when you deal with elites you're playing a linguistic form of poker but it's a linguistic form of poker where you have to declare your cards but they never do they just (laughs) talk about how they have straight aces and you have to believe them you have no means of interrogating them and you don't have any kind of supportive structure that will enable you to get answers to those kind of questions it's just what they
1: say yeah I've never heard that theory before. It's an interesting, yeah. I'll pass you the interesting audio. one. Um, yeah. Actually,
0: it's the most. I think it's the most recent psychedelic salon, Lorenzo Haggerty's psychedelic salon. Yeah. yeah, I'd he, like to hear that. He uses the term iPhones in the talk. But McKenna what did McKenna from what did. What uh, I'm not sure, but well prior to Apple's thing.
1: And, and what was he talking? He about?
0: was talking about you can put on your iPhones and go into immersive reality. He was talking oh, about virtual okay, reality. okay, like headphones. That's what I think he yeah, means, yeah, but Lorenzo yeah. was quick about to jump into yeah, was yeah. quick
1: to jump into the fact that he'd somehow broken through and <laughs> <There's>, understood. <laughs> and and the, the iPhone was coming. No, that sounds like he's talking about virtual reality. Yes, he is. He's talking about yeah. headphones there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Through the week also, I was watching footage of Steve Jobs. In fact, I think it was the last public presentation he gave. He went in front of the Cupid. Cupert- council about yeah. making the the whatever the, yeah, spaceship. the spaceship yeah <laughs> and it, it, he looked genuinely it's amazing actually because you can see even in weakness he had an immense drive I yeah. mean he clearly knew that his body was deteriorating very rapidly and yeah, still he, knew. he went out in public and did this and uh, although it's interesting because you're considerably more of a jobs fan than I am, but I actually found it. We watched the entire thing and I actually found it really very intimate because yeah. you rarely get the opportunity to see him speak in a, well, clearly this was, yeah, reversed. in a
1: different situation. Yeah,
0: usually you see him on the stage yeah. at the, yeah. you know, at a Mac event. But here he, he was coming to display to his peers. Yeah. He understood yeah. the setting and yeah. was very much pitching it in that light. And I mean, yeah. although everyone around him, I mean, Cupertino just loves jobs and you know apple it's brought in vast revenue to that city and uh you know has completely changed it from being an orchard to you know, to what it is today, uh, but yeah, it was very striking to see uh, to see Jobs in his kind of last, well, probably
1: last four, four or five months alive. Yeah, really yeah. doing something like that. Yeah, I have more respect for him all the time. Mm. I, I, I mean, I know that there's all you know. I mean, he's a fucking human being. He's got he was a brain damaged language monkey like the rest of us, you know. Yes. But he's made such a huge difference in my life. Yes, you know, I, I just can't deny that.
0: Yes. It's funny working with Apple because the people I work with at Apple, I think this is pretty well public knowledge. I don't think there's any secret in this that relate, relate to Apple TV. And Jobs spent a considerable amount of time. In fact, he'd go to the Apple TV offices to relax. Their viewing environment was a place that he'd turn up in. Yeah. And the photos on the earlier versions of Apple TV were actually photos, some of them, that he'd taken himself. I mean, it really was that kind of level of intimacy.
1: Yeah, You can't
0: talk in any way critically about Steve Jobs with these people it's actually quite curious not <laughs> really? that I want to good. do that that's good
1: i'm glad actually that, that there
0: are still true good. believers there yeah, are still yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah, still an ss at yeah, uh yeah that's Apple great yeah that's good yes but um, no I'm I mean as I did last year this year I'm going to WWDC and this year as I did last year I'm working very closely with Apple on a number of features and yeah it is an interesting experience because you get a a very strong sense of the kind of strange culture that Jobs... So it's still
1: there, though. I mean, Jobs is still there (laughs) in some ways.
0: In some ways, yes. I mean, this is the interesting thing. When you start looking at the, you know, the products that are going to be coming out this year... You're starting to get to the kind of R&D end of his influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there
1: are still things that are going on. Yeah, but no, you're right. There's going to come a time when everything he had any hand in Mm. is is history, Mm. (laughs) you know, and then we'll see.
0: Yeah, I can imagine him having, you know, sketchbooks and things like that, that obviously probably he didn't do the sketches in, but were part of an ongoing discussion that a number of the senior management at Apple had with him. Yeah. I mean, he had a very particular view of the future and i think his ability to describe that to- he
1: had such force too i mean yeah. for one guy to i mean really i mean obviously he amassed a great deal of talent around him but i mean it was like his sheer force of will man this yeah. guy put this fucking empire together you know yeah. that's it's just amazing to me that he was able to do that like i, said, I I understand the parts of his personality that allowed him to do that are probably pretty offensive to most people. Yes. You know, I mean, one of the things I, I admire in him in some sense is his, Self confidence, yeah. Because I'm I'm plagued by a lack of self confidence. You know, I don't know anything. (laughs) You know, I'm not even sure I know that. (laughs) So yeah. But you know, I still I want to move ahead with certain ideas. You know, and he just didn't seem well. At least whatever he was able to get past any doubts that he might have had, and uh, and just continue to push. And uh, I, I feel that I could use more of that.
0: I was thinking through the week associated with the volunteer military and the fact now in most most Western countries, I think even France has dropped compulsory service, really, yeah. So you have a situation now where the people who are going off and fighting the underclass. Well, yes, oh, that's yeah. what's argued. I mean, my my view has always been that
1: there is certainly a good portion of the underclass that doesn't go and join the military. No, of course, and, but they're the ones right. who do go. Yes, <laughs> for the most part, is the people who don't really have any other very no. good options. I look, well, I mean. My view is, and you may take a
0: slightly different view, but, I mean, part of this whole thing about the way we should exist in the world, in in some regard, is to provide a counter-narrative to these kind of descriptions. I don't necessarily believe that the poor... I mean, I understand that the poor are generally conscripted. or not conscripted, but are generally volunteer in these circumstances. But I don't actually have any statistics on that. And no. a lot of that well, seems to like a story. Yeah. Well, no, it would, it's actually
1: very difficult to get. The military does not tell you well, where no, they get no, the, the military soldiers need, No, but anybody uh, who cared could could certainly <laughs> just do a fucking survey. Survey... 10,000 military people and Mm. find out what their uh, family income was uh, for the five years prior to their enlisting.
0: Well, the folks that I have the ability to interact with
1: through Model Rail Radio, for example, who
0: are in the military, strike me as coming from, you know, obviously the middle class, maybe the lower working middle class, that kind of sector, but certainly not what I would consider traditionally the poor. In fact, the military, Mm. the current military, seems to be far more ideologically interested. They could easily recruit a vast number more people, but there's an ideological component to it
1: that... You know. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, it's not all the poor, obviously. I'm just saying. I think it would be interesting to actually see the statistics. What are the average family incomes for these people for the five years prior to their enlisting in the service? Yes. And and I'll bet you it's pretty damn low. Well, but 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 again, I don't know. Yeah, because I think certainly in the areas that they recruit from, they there is
0: uh well I guess my narrative would be that at there least are always
1: you know at least in the sense, is that these are people who you're right there's a there's a component of it that's uh that's idealistic, that's mm-hmm. uh, ideological. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's one dimension. But I think there's another dimension involved there is that there's really no better option for them.
0: Well, you that's know? where I think you and I need to come in, Heron, mm-hmm. because it, there's, I mean my narrative is very strong that there is always a better option. <laughs> yes,
1: and in I this can country, think of anything better than that. And yeah. in
0: this country in particular, people just don't understand how lucky they are. And I'm not saying this in a trivial way. I'm saying that people within the u s can move within the u s yeah, the cost of moving in this country is actually surprisingly low, and if people actually looked into moving i e getting out of the circumstances that they are currently yeah. in yeah.
1: potentially to new bad circumstances well it requires new thinking that's the thing that's they my need point. to be able to yeah, yeah expand their ideas beyond what they currently see, yeah, so through this period,
0: particularly in Australia there's this anzac day which was yesterday in australia or today here which memorializes a great loss in the first world war that australians they turned up to in turkey sat around for a while were shot at and then left (laughs) even though there were only like a 100 turks pointing guns at them they could have easily stormed the beaches for whatever reason they just decided well actually the there's a kind of conflicting <laughs> story associated with why they hang, hung out. But then they had to get off, even though it was actually a relatively small, initially Turkish force that opposed them. Anyway, so this is Anzac Day, which is held annually in Australia. The problem is that Australia, which has been a prior narrative on this particular recording, has pretty well decimated the teaching associated with the First and the Second World War. And now all is left is pure mythology, and not really that
1: much mythology anyway. In fact, it's... Become- yeah, they do not even talk about it. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's become- just something that's that, ancient history yes yeah. <laughs> so yes yeah, th- the through, peloponnesian wars you know through
0: I mean, all of this you get what well, typically you get in this country on an almost daily basis that i find through facebook which is just a you know our troops are protecting our freedom you know thank ah, you for your service, a, yeah, yeah, all this kind yeah. of stuff we support our troops yeah. yes <laughs> if there were no people to go off and kill farmers in afghanistan if people just didn't volunteer to this folly, yeah. then we would have to really seriously consider our foreign policy. Well, we'd have to start the draft up again. Well,
1: that's interesting right there, isn't it? <laughs> that I mean, might be a problem. Though.
0: So you, yes, I, my view is actually now probably more than even in your generation. I think people would take to the, the youth energy. There's gotta be a real concern to people. There's a lot of
1: disaffected people out there. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And if you want to channel them into rage against the government, my view is.
1: You know, now, I don't want to challenge them into that or, or channel it into rage against the government. I want to channel, channel it into uh, an enthusiasm for creating a new world that well, actually yes. doesn't suck. Yes. <laughs> but uh, on the way to that, uh, you know... They already hate the government. Everybody yeah. hates the government now anyway. Well, no, but
0: my view is actually that if a draft was instituted now, you would see something that was... Well, it It might actually be like a necessary part of yeah, you know yeah. this
1: kind of uh, but yeah I think what it takes to, to you know, get people active again yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: but yeah in in the meantime the fact that folks are getting into the military on this as you say narrative I think it's our responsibility to change it's our responsibility and when I say our here I'm talking to the collective Stone Age listenership as well at least those of you that have kind of passed the early uh, we need to
1: change the conversation exactly yeah yeah, this – people talk – well, that's been on my agenda for years. People go home and I I guess – I don't know, but, I mean, I see it work. They talk about what was on TV last night or what they heard about this person. Nobody talks about anything of any consequence ever, apparently. Yes. And that's got to change. That That was – that's not always been that way, apparently. You know, apparently – uh, like around the revolutionary times in America, you know, people hung out in pubs and talked serious shit. Mm. <laughs> you well, know? yes, uh, there was no dancing with the
0: stars back then, Harry. That's true. There was
1: nothing better to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Probably about maybe even two years ago now, I started subscribing on YouTube to Vice, which I'm not sure whether it's a reinvention. I've looked up on, um, Wikipedia. I seem to recall Vice used to be an alternative to High Times in the kind of magazine rack. And it was it is the same magazine. But now they have very much a, a digital media wing. Um which funnily enough is Rupert Murdoch of all people put something like a billion dollars into it. I mean he put some serious cash into Vice um a couple of years ago. And I've been watching a fellow by the name of Simon Otrovsky cover the ukrainian situation on vice on a daily basis he gives daily updates Uh and he seems to be the only journalist on the ground actually going to these places that you read about in the media the media in its general terms has a very you know washington writes the daily points the media covers it yeah simon uh ostrovsky's Analysis or coverage on the ground, like literally on the ground with the anti-terror teams, you know, trying to, uh, find the Russians that have infiltrated all this kind of stuff is very, very interesting and completely of a completely different tone to everything else that I read associated with this conflict. So I've been watching this fellow for probably about, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks now with these daily updates from you know, the, the Ukraine, yeah. the eastern part of the Ukraine in particular. And then I was reading through Google News a couple of days ago that he'd actually been captured. He was actually sufficiently close, and there were a number of circumstances where I'm like, I'm amazed that these military guys, because they're shooting people, but they're not shooting him, and he's filming, and you know, it's all very, very strange. Well, eventually, he was captured, He was held for three days, and now by, he's been by captured by by it's interesting because he was captured by pro-Russian forces, even though he's actually given a relatively sympathetic coverage yeah. to the pro-Russian separatists in eastern Ukraine. I don't know. I mean, my view is in these kind of circumstances, because things are relatively fluid, I've actually been considerably more captivated by Ukraine than I've been captivated by Syria or a number of these other places. When my mother was a diplomat when I was about 15... She had some Ukrainian friends that I was actually very close with. Uh, and I think the Ukrainian sentiment is really very, very interesting. What's going on there currently in Kiev is completely removed with what's going on in these kind of country towns on the border with Russia. Yeah, and there yeah. you've basically got farm people... And soldiers that have never seen any of the, you know, wealth or influence of the kind of middle class Kiev. Yeah, 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 they're still living in the 1930s. (laughs) They'd much rather have the Soviets, they'd much rather have Russia as old than all this new stuff. Although the new stuff, truth be told, does have some very interesting far right... Kind of skinhead components to it as well. And the kind of, you know, it's very strange to you guys. It's
1: very messy. You know, yeah. it's just a very messy thing. <laughs>
0: but the <laughs> yeah. amount of tension that doesn't result in gunfire is very curious. Like, I guess if you just have a large number of drunk protesters. And they're all kind of like your relations, like there seems to be, there's no <laughs> meaning, there's no meaningful religious distinction, although there are, there are, I think, some in- indigenous folk that are not christians there but there's no like basically it's a personal preference it really is a civil war fundamentally because you well, have yeah.
1: no religion well, it's about affiliations with uh, yeah. the new government or with the old system right i mean yes the present in, and in the past part, in part <laughs> but the thing about the present is that it's so
0: ill-defined it's actually more associated with some sense of security versus the way the present is yeah. devolving. yeah yeah so in these kind of
1: circumstances, yeah, yeah, you that, get... Well, that, yeah, they're going to fall off the fence one way or another. Well, yeah. in these
0: circumstances, you have a strange yeah, conservatism strange. that goes through. I mean, this happened, um, you know, that you have people affiliating themselves with things that they wouldn't normally affiliate themselves with just because of the circumstances. They're then affiliating themselves here with the Russians. But his coverage is so good that it reminds me that there are still a small handful of people that understand fundamentally what journalism is. But it's so rare to see. And I'm also slightly curious. The thing that strikes me about Vice, and I think this might have been part of the Murdoch funding, is that they very rarely do stuff in the U.S., (laughs) <laughs> they very rarely yeah. do accounts yeah. of how no, crazy yeah. Stay things the are the here. Hell out of here right yeah. yeah
1: yeah you got it it's all about over there of how screwed up they are yes
0: <laughs> it's all about over there let's look over yeah. there. but in yeah, terms of your international coverage and they've got they've got a lot of weed stories i mean they still are back to the kind of cocaine cowboy you know a root, which is the roots of the paper yeah. publication of vice but if you can weed through that and some of the poorer that's actually
1: surprising to me that that um that they'd have well, yeah, to keep up the old idea but actually put money into real journalism on the web, yeah. That's um, I mean, that's one of the things everybody's worried about. So, they know? have an
0: Is HBO the- program which I think generates the majority of their revenue, and I, I have HBO on my cable service, so I watch their HBO program regularly as well. But it's this- called Vice or what? Called Vice, yeah, yeah. but um this stuff that simon Ostry, Ski? ost I'll say his name right eventually. But this journalist is putting out is all free. It's all on the web. Yeah. It's not yeah. in any way connected with the, yeah. uh, you know, with the Vice HBO stuff. Yeah. It's actually quite inspiring to me. Yeah. Because I very much have this view and advice is not an example of this kind of people's journalism. But the thing that I really enjoy about podcasting is that it puts the responsibility on us, not on NPR, to actually produce listenable well, content.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately, of course, the whole goddamn planet needs to be managed by... By us. Yes. Governments, we don't need no stinking governments. Definitely. You know, <laughs> it's got to be us. Yeah. But we need to create the software. Part of this
0: thing that I've been thinking about with regards to the military is creating a counter narrative. And this is a counter narrative that used to exist in the US. But the notion that the military protects my freedom I actually find really fundamentally offensive. Because I think I <laughs> I fundamentally protect my freedom. No, <laughs> no one protects my yeah. freedom like or, I do. Or not. <laughs> well, I mean, I had this experience for yeah. the week. I went in to have my eyes done for this, you know, is it yeah. is it uh, X is it Y, is it Z kind of thing. And the nurse who was doing this process with me was just useless i mean she was clearly very young clearly relatively inexperienced she pushed my face into this thing where i had to hold my face for half an hour while it did various light patterns and it was really really uncomfortable it had like a plastic bit that went straight through into my forehead and i had to hold my head there for a period of time the second part of the process was her putting like an eyedropper but with a metal tip and this is a pointy thing here. Yeah. Up against my eyeball. And she did it at a diagonal weight where her where her body weight was actually pushing this thing. And I thought if she slipped, <laughs> I'm gonna lose <laughs> yeah, another here. Die. Yeah. No, I'm just College. gonna lose my vision. Yeah. And I really yeah. need my vision. Like my vision's yeah, pretty yeah. important.
1: Yeah, I like my vision.
0: Yeah. And she pointed out to me that my body was resisting her in every way. In fact my eyes wouldn't no shit, allow <laughs> her to put drops in. She said, You've got really strong eye muscles and I said, I actually have no control over this But it was really actually part of my subconscious telling me, You don't trust this individual and yeah. clearly this individual's incompetent. Yeah. In in a similar time frame I was walking home. And I was reading some of my friends in Australia. Again, these are high school friends who, you know, went on to have copious quantities of children. Were posting that they, through high school, they hadn't learnt about how to vote, what banking is, a series of things, which I struck me as really very curious. Because a number of those things were actually taught through high school as electives. They just weren't paying attention or didn't take the electives. So I actually posted that on Facebook and I thought, there's something more that I could describe
1: here, which is really this notion of... Personal responsibility. Absolutely, yeah. The school systems suck, but it's your responsibility exactly. to educate yourself. It, if you got a good school, fine, lucky you. If you don't, <laughs> yeah. it, it's your if responsibility. If you don't, get your ass somewhere else, man, and, and start it, learning. The
0: interesting thing through this is that. Historically, there would always
1: be a discussion associated with parental responsibility. Well, that's part of it. That's where they grow up, where they get their ideas, that somehow the state is responsible for educating. But my view, actually, is that the parents are probably just as competent
0: as the schools are in these circumstances. Ah, I doubt that. <laughs> like, you think the parents are
1: more or less competent? Less. Okay, even more so then. But but, but the for very different reasons, yeah. though. I mean, that you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's bureaucracy on the one end. It's just stupid language monkey bullshit on the other end. Well, it's yeah. their both ends, but uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> and so, see, that's the thing is you can't say about everybody. There are some parents who are greatly qualified to raise their kids and educate them. But I think yeah. that's a very small percentage. Yeah, but this whole rap associated with personal freedom is very interesting, because traditionally this... Personal freedom or personal responsibility?
0: Well... my view is actually that they're strangely... Well, they're fine. inseparable. But
1: let's talk about responsibility here yeah, to be yeah, exactly yeah. cogent. So well, freedom course. is just bullshit. Well, freedom I mean, just is... nobody is talks a term. about responsibility. Yes. That's yes. the issue.
0: Well, actually, responsibility gives you freedom in these circumstances. Because once you have taken the responsibility sure, of actually yeah. learning about something or yeah. studying yeah. it or having some provocative interest yeah. in it...
1: Then you're then in a position to make some choices. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But see, that's, that's a whole mindset. Mm. That, that, it, it's, it takes one second to, that's the thing I've been talking about. I don't think you can logically, uh, lead somebody to that. I mean, you can, you can do that and none of that hurts. But it's one of those things, it's like being born again, you know, when everything just sort of flips. <laughs> I mean, if
0: people view the responsibility of the education system to actually educate them or their children, then they really don't understand the nature of the contract that they're involved with. Well, mean,
1: what the hell does education even mean at exactly. that Exactly. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, here... What clearly, is it you want? <laughs> here, clearly, it means an understanding of the tax system, and understanding of <laughs> this list of things that yeah, these yeah, people yeah, didn't right, felt yeah. they didn't get from high school. Yeah. And <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because from the traditional left, which is, I guess, where my parents come from, the notion of personal responsibility in these circumstances has a very right kind of perspective to it that actually you need a state that enables people to have healthcare and education and these things need to be you know full and nourishing otherwise the state is failing and these kind of things
1: Mm, and really well but see but wait let me just throw something in (laughs) there i I think i agree with that but i also agree that people have a responsibility to not do stupid, unhealthy things. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get, uh, free, really good healthcare, you better not be smoking. You yeah. better not be 80 pounds overweight. Yeah. You know, because, uh, that's bullshit.
0: <laughs> well, in these societies, in these societies, sometimes they, I don't know how one would describe it. I mean, the, the nature of smoking as a phenomena is very curious because certainly in areas where you do have free health care or at least government-provided health care, you will still see smoking.
1: Oh, well, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, that I, I don't. I, as far as I, I... I'm saying, sure, if you want to smoke, fine. Go ahead and smoke. Don't come to me when you got cancer. Well, you see, that's interesting because that is,
0: historically at least... A very that's that's the defining factor associated with American healthcare practices is that basically the smoker in theory will pay more in the you know capitalist healthcare system well, than I, they I, will yeah, in the socialist. Yeah, yeah well, and that system.
1: makes sense in a capitalist yeah. uh, situation, but in, in another kind of situation, how do you deal with that in any other way? Well, you tell them, look, you quit smoking. Quit smoking. You make it financially difficult for them to smoke, which is what well, other your, countries do. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they raise the price on it and create an yeah. exit to pay for the, yeah. yeah. That, well, in a capitalist system, that would be a reasonable way to do it. It's done here as well, not yeah, quite in yeah. the same But extent, in a, in a, yes. in a trans capitalist world, that is not the, the solution. Yeah. The solution is people who are responsible for themselves. Yes. And, and do, and, and do what leads to a healthy life instead of one of disease and, and disability. Yeah. But, I mean, but of course that, you know, there's always bad luck too. I mean, hmm. that's the thing. But as long as in my sense is, as long as you're doing what you can, then that's all you can be expected to do. You know, don't smoke, you know, stay on, you know, stay at some reasonable weight and, uh, you know, whatever. There are probably a few other things. And if you can manage that part of it, then the state will manage whatever else needs to be dealt with. I was having a somewhat candid discussion with one of my co-workers today associated
0: with stress. And what has happened is that stress is really the, you know, the cancer of capitalism now. I think it's the aspect of capitalism that's really discussed. And I'm not talking mm. here about I don't know. I mean, what I'm talking about here is long-term doubt associated with one's own survival.
1: Well, yeah, everybody, what, Which 50% is, of the people in this country are probably three or four weeks away from homelessness? Yeah. No, that has a... When you talk about impacts on health
0: care... Equivalent to, or potentially even greater yeah. than smoking.
1: Yeah. No. Well, you no. Know, I agree with you. Yeah. Stress. Well, that's why I'm saying. In a capitalist system, it's one thing. In a reasonable world, that stress wouldn't be there. Certainly. But yeah, in this world, yeah, I'm. So- well, I think that's one of the things that's going to lead to the breakup. You know, is is that stress is is just getting worse. You know, people are. Mm. Yeah, and they never talk about it. You know, they it's never just, do. Nobody talks about it, but it's just there, eating away, man. They're just yeah. worried. You know, if their company closes, yep. Uh, you know, and then it's, what? It's part of the debt-based society, which is
0: ultimately yeah. the profit yeah. of the banks. Yeah,
1: right. What's well, capital? Again, yeah. capitalism was a phase we went through. It worked pretty good yeah. for a hundred years or so. Uh, but that's in a global stable civilization, there's no room for capitalism. That's just re- well, there may be some. Some way capitalism can work on an individual level maybe, but uh, corporate capitalism uh, is uh, just got to go. So what stops it? What stops it? I I have no idea what it's going to take. Yes. I I just think – I think of enough – well, I do actually. I think when enough people wake up, what I'm talking about, again, isn't one of those things that you logically – Argue somebody into that position. That's part of the process. But I, my sense is there's a kind of born-again experience. I don't know what else to call it when when you just see that this is, these ways don't work anymore and we're going to have to change. And you either see that or you don't. And the issue is, how do we get more people? And I think that's inevitably going to happen, though. That's what I'm basing all my bets on, is that enough people are going to wake up that will change this thing. Because I don't think anything else will. Again, the only thing that's going to change it is us. And and it requires a whole bunch of us to be in alignment on this. So through this
0: somehow, and we've talked about this periodically, what Rushkov attempted to do, actually, in his... Book associated with capitalism and money was he attempted, although it missed a number of steps, of actually creating a blueprint that people could follow mm-hmm. in order to remove themselves from the treadmill, for want of a better term, the mm-hmm. you know the yeah. the hamster yeah. wheel, <laughs> and. Yeah, the problem was that he missed a number of steps, but he also assumed that the readers had access to the benefits of middle age in terms of financial mm. benefits. Mm. Yeah. So it was not in any way pictured as a blueprint that young folk could adopt. Okay,
1: yeah, you had to have a little bit of capital to exactly. get to get this going.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. it costs fifty thousand dollars to join a commune <laughs> in the U.S. You know, yeah,
1: that yeah, right now that's I don't know how else you'd do that. But but you're right. That's part of what I'm thinking about in in creating a Gendo monastery is how mm. do you fund something like this? Do the people, you know, yeah. the, the few people who are committed to this fund it themselves? So I was reflecting on the fact that although we have tenants currently and we'll probably have
0: tenants going into the future in our new place, financially I don't need tenants but I have a space that people could utilize. In fact, within the house itself. In the new place, you're talking Yeah, in the new place. You not
1: so, separate from the house yeah, itself? Yeah. Okay, so you got another quarters
0: there yeah. that you can rent out. Yeah. Cool. Which is rented out currently. There are tenants there currently. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's right. You mentioned yeah. that. When, you, when are you going to move in? Uh, probably. So I'm going there. We're
0: working there um, tomorrow and Sunday. And my wife's been working on and off through this week, although she's taken two days off this week. Um, we're probably moving in around mid-May We've got to get the cable and stuff connected The upstairs is just moving into the kind of habitable phase Associated with all the painting Yeah Um, we're stripping the carpet in three of the bedrooms And adding carpet to one of the bedrooms Because it's it's the extension room Which means that the walls and the floor are crappy Unlike the other rooms upstairs The other rooms upstairs will all be wood floors And we've repainted uh, all of them except for one so it's going to be livable in a kind of May timeframe, and I think we'll probably right. be in there mid-May. Oh, right, I'm actually taking next Friday off, so we probably won't record next Friday because I'm, there are certain, you know, man things for me to do. And the cost of labour, <laughs> the cost of labor here is phenomenal. It's far better if you can to do the work yourself. Firstly, you'll do a higher quality of work typically than what you're hiring to do. With the gas, to a lesser extent, the electric, I've actually done quite a bit of electrical work previously, and the kind of electrical work that needs to be done here is stuff that I feel relatively comfortable with Oh, doing. good, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th- there are things in the basement, for example, that I feel I could easily do and be do at a better standard than the previous. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm also rewiring, uh, not rewiring, actually, I'm refitting uh, the upstairs, all the Points and switches because they're all bakelite, I guess, from the fifties. Yeah, uh, some of them have deteriorated quite a bit. But yeah, aside from that, yeah, it's it's perfectly livable. But it's a bigger space, really, than what we need. I mean, my room is. You can always have by, some kids. Well, that's <laughs> potentially, yeah. Why? Why not? Why not? Huh. But I was thinking about this that I have a functioning space. That as I, you know, if I wanted to, you know, have people come through periodically, I could quite comfortably have people come through periodically. And it wouldn't be a a financial burden. Yeah, it's your guest room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I thought about that quite dynamically and certainly how this thing pans out. It'll be interesting to see, you know, whether people do come through periodically.
1: Well, it depends on you. They're not going to just come through without an invitation. So when, <laughs> when we lived
0: in Vegas, we had a guest room and we had... Aside from my wife's family that would come up pretty frequently, we had a few folk come through while we were there, but not as many as I would have liked. I think Las Vegas is slightly different than the San Francisco Bay well, Area, I though. You just
1: need to let people know that yeah. it's there. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people, not probably not everybody, but <laughs> yes. you know, the ones you want to let know yeah. that if you're in town and you need a place to stay for a day or two... Yeah. Uh, come on by. Certainly, certainly. But the potential
0: through the kind of expanding Conscious in the Cloud and all these kind of things seems to be coming together. It's not necessarily pointing in a direction, but it's certainly giving me a sense that things could... uh could motivate out of all this. There's these some, different some uh,
1: momentum building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But just exactly which way it's going to go. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of the way I feel about things. Uh, I, I feel clearly that momentum is mounting and, but it, so it's just like the water building up, but just exactly where it's going to come out first. There are a number of points and it, it could, who knows? <laughs> you know, just where it's going to burst forth. Certainly.
0: I've spent a bit of time on uh, the iBookstore this week, Mm -hmm. just surveying what's there. And I'm thinking that perhaps something I could do in the late evening is write for the iBookstore, or write books, basically, for the iBookstore. However, I've tried over recent evenings, and I can get out about 500 words a night, but it's still a bit laborious. And I've been wondering how... Or at what stage Dragon Dictate is at, or the dictation software in general? Because I think dictation here... From what I've
1: heard, it's pretty damn good.
0: That's what I've heard as well, but I have a pretty funky accent.
1: Well, so, you know, but it still, it learns. Apparently it should, so... So the only way you're going to know is to try it.
0: Part of getting the house, or part of the first few months of the house, is that we will be back in a financial situation where we're not saving for a house anymore. And one of the things I promised my spiritual advisor is that we'll do a computer upgrade. Ah. The computer is about... Five years old now. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, and has been heavily attacked by the cats. One cat in particular, <laughs> so it has a few less keys, and it really is very. Uh, it's time years. for a new computer. What's Definitely. she going to get? Um, I think she will probably get a either a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: and um, her previous computer was a Windows machine, but I've sufficiently. I mean, everything I use basically is a Mac, so yeah. I think she's picked up. Well, and she can still run her Windows shit if she needs to. Well, so no I don't deal. know about that. I mean, my, her Windows shit is, is old as well. I think... Yeah. But there may be no need for it, yeah. I mean, we we live in the age of subscription software as well, and the Adobe stuff that she uses, for example, she could subscribe to.
1: Well, and she could just stick to six and forget that, the latest stuff. Shit, three-year-old Photoshop is still so far beyond anything I need. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: that's an interesting point, actually, because um, when you buy a new computer, you can't always get three-year-old Photoshop.
1: Well, sure you can. You can get it from eBay. True, true, true.
0: Um, yeah, so there are a number of options, but I was thinking that uh, when I get my next machine, I'm actually I'm because I have I have laptops with work and what have you. I've actually considered the uh, the Mac Pro as a possibility. Yeah, really, but they're tiny.
1: That's the thing. I've, have you seen one in the wild? Oh, I know they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. They're just uh, but 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 you still you still I mean an iMac doesn't exist at all. It's just the fucking monitor. Yeah. So. Uh, if you want tiny, wh- wh- what is it about an iMac that's not good enough? For uh, the heat.
0: I've had I've had heating. I've had iMacs. On the new ones? If you looked at the new no, ones? No, I haven't looked at the new
1: ones. Yeah, I, I don't think ones. it's nearly as much of a problem as it used to be. Okay. Uh, mine's a 2011, and it's not that much of a problem on mine at all. Okay. Yeah, heat's, uh, heat's a non-issue, really. Okay. Well, I'll have a look. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have one of those sexy... Listen, if I had... I shouldn't try and talk you out because if I had the money, I'd buy one, Yes, (laughs) you know, and I'd buy two 4K monitors to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking
0: particularly I have an emu keyboard, which I used to plug into GarageBand and do a lot of stuff with. And I'd like actually because I have a space here to have a reasonable desktop setup, a, a real studio. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I've got my records and what have you. And you're
1: in a position to get a Mac Pro too, so fuck yeah. it. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Screw the iMac.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've been very, I've been very passionate with the laptops, and I certainly like the Retina display on the laptops, which is just phenomenal.
1: Well, but a 4K monitor will do just not, you know, yeah, fine. You'll be okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so all coming relatively shortly. Um, oh, that'll be fun. Although the, the house is just, it's a bit of a money pit currently, but I do feel that it's a money pit with a defined end in sight.
1: Yeah, it's going to cost a bunch
0: to get it. Yeah, the the, yeah. the transition is going to be expensive, but well, you've got the we've, money. We've, so saved, we've saved by doing a lot of the work ourselves, and I think we'll continue to do that.
1: Uh, you're not saving. <laughs> Oh,
0: no, look, let me tell you, Heron.
1: No, let me give you actual No, I understand the number. I'm just talking about whatever you're doing. It's either your time or your money.
0: No, 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 no. Let me explain this to you, Heron. There's a lot of gouging here as well. Okay. So the pest inspection quoted $11,000. To do what? To spray around the house with chemicals that you can buy
1: on eBay. It's in fact. <laughs> 11,000. That's just some company, right? Yes. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, I bet you could find another company that would do it for 2,000. No, you'd probably find another that
0: could do it for eight. Another. I mean, the whole nature of gouging is that every company does it okay. in this area.
1: And is it illegal for you to do it yourself? Not at or? all. In fact, what the, we paid the $750 <laughs> right. to get
0: the recipe on what we need to do.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That that's just being smart. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's still a trade-off in time. You got to do the research, you got to, you know, it's time or money, you just have to make a choice. The thing that I really liked about doing the
0: painting was that I became very it was it was a reinforcing process that we had found the right house. Yeah. It was fascinating because it was an older house. I mean, this is a building that has been abused or neglected at least for the past 20 to 30 years. People have not really lived in it, those that have lived in it really
1: just haven't had a clue about it. Yeah, they were just there to take up space exactly. and go to work and exactly. sleep. And, yeah.
0: So when you actually start doing work on the property and start, you know, reviving certain things and bring certain ah. things back. Making your it
1: yours. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And Absolutely. this intimacy is really very interesting because it gives you a keen sense. It's in
1: a number of my On the other hand, it's good to p- to pay for it, to have, a, have well, pay somebody to come and take out that s- fucking pond.
0: Yes, now that was worth <laughs> it. That's the best $386 I've spent yeah, on I house. I think
1: so, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Here's a glass s- of water. <laughs> six hours
0: of jackhammering to oh, remove that God. thing. <laughs> I didn't ask anyone, but I suspect it was rebar, you know, the steel with the cement around <laughs> it. It was at its thickest part. And this is my wife's account here. It was eight inches
1: thick. Eight inches Yeah, no wonder a fucking sledgehammer sledgehammer just did nothing; just
0: bounced off it. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Soon to be, as of tomorrow, I've got the boxes actually stacked that I'm taking the tomato seedlings over in. Yeah, soon to be tomorrow, (laughs) a nice tomato garden. You filled it in, no, no, I'm going to fill it in tomorrow and plant my tomatoes.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So it's just a dirt hole there now. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's. Yeah, one eye saw less. this is going to be such an adventure for you, you know, over the next couple of years. uh, The funny thing is,
0: I mean, when we got our Vegas place, the problem with the Vegas place was that the the garden was non-existent, quite literally. It was literally just desert and little bits of cement that they'd put together. And we spent most of our time removing the cement and just flattening the desert down. There was no... When I tried to grow tomatoes there, I got them to the point where they were flowering and then there was a dust storm that came through and just ripped (laughs) them apart. Just ripped them apart part literally burnt them seared them with heat and sand i was able to get a very hardy uh, rosemary to grow and that was about it i was able to get a small Actually, I wasn't even able to get the ivy to grow because that was sandblasted at the same time the tomatoes were. It was a very hard life. Inside, I could get tomatoes to grow and inside I could get small, you know, small herb gardens to grow and this kind of stuff. But this was really a brutal climate in contrast yeah. to the Bay Area. Although they say, oh, it's going lovely. To be, yeah. although they say there's going to be, you know, a drought through the summer here, nothing like Vegas yeah no, no, and
1: it's not so humid yeah. uh, or not so dry i mean yeah. it's it's hu- yeah, it's a whole different environment
0: well, although it's rained, i mean when I was I' probably told this so many times, but when I was here uh you know twelve odd years ago, it rained almost continuously, I'm well yeah. aware that the current environment is uh vastly yeah. drier than it was yeah. then Yeah, sure was but sure is yeah having having said that, it's still considerably better than Vegas, and it rained yeah. you know it rained yeah. all last night here, so there is some water. But no, it is a it is an adventure. It's actually I feel very much like a responsible adult. Yeah, that's just what I was going to
1: say. You're just you're turning into an adult.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and in particular, our tenants called us. We had the gas repaired because there were four gas leaks that the folks were able to find. So the guy was running the jackhammer while another guy was looking for gas leaks. When they repaired the gas leaks, they forgot to turn the pilot light on in the tenant's hot water heater. So the tenants were without hot water for a day. And I was on the phone with them explaining to them how they'd turn on the gas tap and restart the pilot light. Which I, it's interesting because I very much, when I was their age, quite literally, when I was 20, what was I, probably 21, 22, living in this shed, I did the electricals there and I even did some of the plumbing. It's the only way I could live. I mean, the, yeah. the landlord probably would have sent someone out. But once you've had your monitor rained on, and this is an old CRT monitor, you've got to do a few things to get that thing yeah, working yeah, again. Yeah,
1: you're not going to have that. Yeah,
0: a refrigerator, when it explodes and loses its gas, is a very different thing than a, you know, a functioning refrigerator. And I mean, through those experiences, I learned a wide variety of life skills, some of which I probably already had in terms of electrical stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I, you know, my responsibility with my tenants, I'm taking very, very seriously, being a good landlord,
1: because yeah. I've just had so many shit house landlords. Yeah, no, that's is, an important you know, thing, for your own integrity, yes. for you to live with yourself, you know, to do, uh, do right by them. Yeah. Yes.
0: So we come into the evening where, really, I don't have any more topics. Do you have anything that you want to float as an idea?
1: Well, it, it, something that came up for me about... um about perception and photography, actually, oh, I know where this is going. continue, yeah well i'm not sure you do, I mean, it does have something to do with uh Justin and Marie and yes, you know, but um I remember i don't remember just how many years ago it was probably fifteen. No, it was less than 15, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. There's a particular kind of ornamental tree in Southern California that's quite common. It's called a collie pear mm-hmm. or sometimes an artificial pear tree yes. a, and a Bradford pear. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Are You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. Their leaves are a sort of dark green oval shape during most of the year but in the fall they take on the most brilliant colors yes and and they lose their leaves and and you from 30 feet away you'll see a pile of leaves under one of these trees and they're brown yes but if you go up close and you pick one up and hold it in front of you you see it's brilliant green and yellow and purple yes and and they're just the most beautiful they're jewel-like things, mm. and, and there are these veins of bright yellow right next to bright green and then red right next to that, big blotches of red, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're just, and this, I noticed, actually, this was back when I was in college. So that, this really began many, many years ago, before I even had a computer. In any case, I, I used to, in fact, I used to wear these on my lapel. I'd find a really good one and I'd get a paper clip and I'd clip it to my lapel <laughs> and wore these things as jewelry. They're just beautiful. And then uh, uh, years later, after I got into computers, I decided, you know, that I should go get some of these leaves and Put them on my scanner and scan them at like 600 DPI, yes. you know, and, and see if I couldn't make art out of them. And they were just completely fucking flat. They were boring. Yes. And I couldn't figure out. I kept trying to figure out why. When I had the real leaf, I mean, I, I could sit, have the leaf in my hand in front of me and the scan of the same leaf on the computer – and there was just no comparison, yeah, and what I realized was is that the real leaf moment by moment, the color is shifting yeah you know as your eye uh cicades or whatever the word is, you know, and uh as you know the the photons in the room are bouncing around there it's not a static image it it's it's changing. Uh, maybe on a level I can't perceive consciously, but what I perceive is this kind of aliveness in the color that's just not there. It, when you when you capture a single moment and the colors are fixed.
0: Here's the problem also, Heron, which you may be getting to. The light within scanners flattens everything. In terms no, but of you the can weight. mess around with Photoshop though. I mean, you can No, 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 but bring if, it back. if you had multiple and some of the more expensive scanners now, I think do this. But if you had multiple, what's the what's the unit in this Is it Kelvin? I think Kelvin is the light unit that they use for the various like wavelength intensities. Mm -hmm. But if you had a variety of different Kelvin scanning light points, aside from what they typically have is a very, very cheap fluorescent light, which they just try and saturate, but you're right that you can with Photoshop adjust some of that, but you're never going to get the full spectrum analysis. Well, that you would but have the thing if they is, the multiple. full
1: spectrum changes moment by moment in reality. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. But you also is have is access you'd need to a video. Light sources. Well, no, that, I don't think that would make any difference. Oh, it makes some difference, but I think what you really need is video. High resolution video. That actually, you know, at 60 frames per second or something. Well, you're moving the leaf in your hands. No, it's not. No, it's not about moving. I mean, it's, it's about your eye. Your eye moves. It's, what they call them, saccade or saccades that Mm -hmm. like 30 times a second, your eye is jumping back and forth when it looks at something. Yes. Plus just the clouds and the room and everything. I mean, the, the actual, the actual image is changing every millisecond. You know, it's not the same. And I think that's the difference, is that there's something about this changing image in real time that, that once you just take a, a snapshot of a, of an instant in time, it kills it. It's not, then it's just the same. You look at it and nothing's happening. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's really the difference, but that's my, my sense about that, is, is that, uh, I mean, and I, I scanned hundreds of these leaves. And they all look like shit compared to the actual leaf. <laughs> you know, there's nothing I could do. And so you didn't I, distrust your scanner at any time
0: through this process. You didn't think that
1: Well, ones... I messed around a lot. Well, no, I I I distrusted everything. I that's why I started using Photoshop to up the um uh, uh, the saturation and you know, that helped a li- that helped quite a bit actually, is just saturating it more. But, uh, like I say, it, it never, it just never seemed to have the, and the only term I can think of is aliveness or something. Yes. That, that the, the actual leaf, when I held it in my hand under a light, uh, it was just, it was just a very different experience. And, and that, of course, that's fine for all sorts of things, but I, I, I don't know. For me, that just struck, that became very important. Uh, I, I, I sort of gave up on, uh, trying to capture reality <laughs> with uh, Im- with static images. I don't. I don't think it can be done. Mm. And, and how this relates to um to the photo that, that we took at the at the thing is that Justin's a sort of interesting character. I really like Justin, and uh, he's a very, I think, intelligent and good-looking guy. But I, you know, how some people are photogenic. You know, you know yes. there's something about some people, you take their picture and, and there's something that sort of sparkles in the picture that you don't see in them. <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, there, there are other things beyond just that. That's sort of a simple example of what I'm getting at is that when I look at the photos of Justin, I don't see Justin. Yes. I see this, this momentary image, but Justin is very, um, movable. Yes. <laughs> shall I say? And, my experience of him in person is so different than looking at those photos. Yes. And, but it's not that way for everybody. That's the thing is that I, I mean, a lot of people, I see their picture and I go, yeah, that's yeah, them, you know, yeah. I look at those pictures of Justin and I think, who the fuck is that? Yes. You know, it's just very weird. It, it, the whole thing has been strange to me. And that's what brought up the, the thing about the leaves again is that maybe there's something about shifting in time in reality or reality that's a tricky word but you know this shifting in time when you're in somebody's presence yes and then when you take a picture it freezes that and and what you're missing is everything else (laughs) it's interesting with humans in general i i see that in
0: so many different dimensions of humans Mm mm-hmm In particular, the humans that appear to be very attractive in photographs, but in fact, you know, are toxic individuals.
2: Mm, Yeah.
0: And I think the thing that has always struck me about the photographic medium is there are some people, as you say, that photograph very well, but it's in no way a scan of the person as...
1: No, it has nothing to do with what they actually, I mean, just physically look like. Forget their personality or anything else. Yeah. You know, it's something... It's something else. It's very strange. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, I... It's interesting because both... I mean, with both Justin and Marie, now with Justin, I'm trying to think how long he and I have been in contact, but it's in the order of probably four years Ah, that he and I have been in contact. And I'm finding myself in a period of my life where I really have... I'm kind of reducing the number of people I know. I'm kind of thinking of doing this actually quite formally through Facebook, but it's
1: difficult with Model Rail Radio. Are you going to unfriend people? Yeah. Yeah? My yeah. spiritual advisor has pointed out. and I've unfriended a couple people recently. Yeah. It's yeah. easy
0: to do with some people. Easier to do with some people. Than oh,
1: it's real easy for some people. Yes. <laughs> I've only
0: done that to like three or four people in the last two
1: years. Probably. Yeah. My, my
0: spiritual advisor has pointed out that there's this curious phenomena currently, in some regard led by Bob Mottram, where people are creating their own independent monkey simulations. Not, well, in some cases based on Noble Ape, but in some cases having spent long periods of time working on Noble Ape. And I guess my spiritual advisor's assertion is this is really a strange phenomena that you seem to be completely numb to, Tom. You know, the, the fact that these people are creating these works, which are
1: always... Oh, are they citing you as a as a reference in what they're doing?
0: Uh, well, or are Walt they Mottram, trying to pass
1: it off as their own work? Bob Montrum is using, like, the
0: um structural core of elements of Noble Ape in his monkey mind.
1: But, I'm I mean, really he's acknowledging sure. it, though. I mean, there's some statement somewhere in his work that Tom Barbelay and... Uh, I don't know if it's explicitly said. I mean, this is the interesting yeah, thing, yeah.
0: is that I don't in any way... I mean, this came up through the week because there was a, a blog... That was started called No Blape, which was just a series of kind of salacious videos and images. I don't know, at least I think I don't know the person who's created this thing. And I don't think this well, thing it may is just a get
1: coincidence. It. it just
0: has nothing to do with you. It, for, mm, perhaps.
2: I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. So my view has always been not to put, I mean, I've had periods of time where people have put together, you know, very curious things associated with aspects of my work, but. My spiritual advisor's concern associated with this phenomena is that the the inspiration is one component, but the ability to work together in a community is probably something that is considerably more strengthening.
1: Well, it's an independent variable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely different from yeah anything else. Yeah. So
0: on a personal level, I'm. Not necessarily distancing myself, but really reinforcing or going back into, you know, developing Noble 8 in a, you know, far more hands-on fashion than perhaps I would have done through the time. Turn it into a brand. Exactly, that Bob Bottram was working on it. But part of that is actually the effort component. And I think the thing that strikes me, and I've said this, you know, repeatedly in prior podcasts, is that work is the unit of work in these systems. You know, if you're not working on these systems or you're not actively participating... You can observe, and you can be what I would call a muser quite comfortably. Yeah, and you can
1: put in your yeah. comments.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but th- yeah. the level of work is very, Well, that's very a separate important. issue. That's, yeah. fr- that's not a bad thing either. That's yeah. a good thing to have that. But that's completely separate from people who are actually working on the project.
0: Yeah. yeah. So through this period, I'm reducing what I would have historically called my mentoring role. And I've done this actually quite consciously because I'm quite irritated by some of the people who I've mentored through this period. I think I need to redefine what mentoring is for me. It's not just a <laughs> passive interaction. It's not just giving assistance. It's almost a contractual relationship Absolutely, where the partner, yeah. the, the mentor e understands that if they just Give me lip service and go off and do whatever the fuck they want to do, then it's not a rewarding yeah, interaction. Yeah, it's got to work for, for both of us. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And I mean, part of that is an interaction where I'm not just your counselor in these circumstances. And I guess that's my frustration with the traditional mentoring relationship. I'm also in parallel to this, mainly through our conversations, Heron, strongly under the impression that the next generation is almost it's not that they're untouchable but there are certain things that i am really just have to understand that i am part of an older generation and it's very strange to say out loud i mean particularly because there are 30 odd years between you and me but you and I share more in terms of our understanding of things like the World War Two generation than, than any generation following could understand. Oh, yeah, understand. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, not, I, I wouldn't, I mean, there are individuals who do, but, I mean, it's a statistical thing, and the vast yeah. majority of people are, yeah, yeah have no idea. Yeah.
0: yeah, Which means that there are conversations that you and I can have that are translated by these people clearly, but in no way contains the gravitas. And I was thinking about this in terms of how do you actually start to explain that to someone
1: explain what now to someone well to explain
0: that the concept of what occurred in world war ii both in terms of the you know the gi concept in this country but also the sheer daily to the minute barbarism and the effect on Every human who interacted in this environment's psychology, particularly those on the ground, but also their children and their children's children, and you know, these, the way in which this thing framed, very, not. Greater than, but similar to the Great Depression, because the Great Depression is a phenomenon, particularly as it associated with the way people hoarded things, the way they interacted with food in particular, really affected, you know, a
1: generation yeah. and a half, if not two generations well, like, following.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the Second World War, for a or series there were of reasons,
1: people that rode right through that with no problem whatsoever. Mm. I mean, it was a it was a class thing too. I mean, there were a lot of people. I mean, they had to cut back, probably. Mm-hmm. (laughs) but you know they had to give up their summer home
0: maybe (laughs) well the marketing of fear is also part of this so last recording we talked about the you know aids change on sex education Mm. and actually following this uh, soon afterwards i felt so uncomfortable by that whole discussion that i uh, (laughs) called my mother and asked her explicitly if any of her you know gay friends had died of aids um, or even any of her friends for that matter. Yeah. And more importantly, the people who she knew who died of AIDS had connections with people in New York and London. So there's this whole like upper intelligentsia kind yeah. of artist intellectual. Kind yeah. Of- gay and bisexual community <laughs> that were basically knocked out in the 80s yeah in the 90s when the medicine started becoming more prevalent and you know people have moved away from azt and all that other stuff um they were able to Ooh. someone's at the door just give me a sec
1: here. okay i'm gonna go fill my wine glass okay Hi. hi, sorry to
0: bother you around the house. Yeah, way, hi. Just seeing a promotion box. Just getting carcass for everybody. Right for? Okay. Many- uh,
2: we might be in contact. Um,
0: But yeah, thank oh. you very much. Well, we're cleaning morning for today. Well, you can't clean tonight,
2: right? Oh, we're cleaning yeah, for everybody. doing you are cleaning for bills. No,
0: I can't have the carpets cleaned. Oh, okay. It's what
2: time is it? Uh, it's this train. is yeah. There's no way you're cleaning
0: carpets. Well, well,
1: it's a new method called dry carpeting. I know. I'm,
0: I'm familiar with the dry home procedure. Kirby, you found me back well, I'm familiar with the dry home uh-huh. procedure. I'm not sure if it's associated with this particular company. Uh-huh. Um, I can't do it tonight. Um, do you have a... You don't have a website? Kirby. Okay. It's a backing. Backing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank What's you for so coming around. So
2: no, way. I can't do it today. So do you want the yeah, spec? Certainly. Me? Obviously, you've got right. other people then. to give it to.
1: Are you back, Karen? I only heard the end of it, but you're such a polite person. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, actually. Some Someone like you to... don't know knocks on your door, interrupts your whole fucking life for their own particular reasons. Well, and you didn't offering... tell them to go fuck themselves it's and slam the door in their face. <laughs> we now have a light
0: outside our door. Which was burnt out for a number of months. I was considerably ruder <laughs> when the light didn't work.
1: Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. You don't know what you're can dealing with. Yeah, I'm. I'm just going to pull the table in here, in, which might create a little. Just it's right. By the way, I'm. I'm. I'm eating, some I took the extra time to cut a couple slices of really great cheddar cheese. Uh, it's interesting,
0: <laughs> actually, cheddar in this country, because there aren't. I mean, there is a diversity of cheeses in this
1: country. But yeah. cheddar oh, is the You can get really good cheddar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, it is interesting the pheno- some of the time I'm genuinely polite. Some of the time I'm actually quite aggressively rude. Yeah. Okay. My, my spiritual advisor has always asked me to be politer to people uh-huh. because of the kind of home invasion element here. <laughs> and my perspective yeah. with that yeah. is That makes sense. I mean, yeah, although there's a general... In general, it's probably better to be polite than rude. Although there's a general narrative in this podcast associated with firearms, I don't actually own any functional firearms. I own bits of paperweights and things like that that I've not actually created any firearms out of. I would kind of pity the individual that tried to do a home invasion, but my sense around these things is it is a genuine... I've known one person, actually. The fellow who did the sleep clinic at uh, Berkeley purchased a new house. And within, yeah, it probably was a new house. Within five days of purchasing the house, his home was invaded. (laughs) It was quite funny, actually, because it was relatively swift. He was there at the time. And then they left. And then he called the police. And they weren't black. They were very not black. And the police found a black guy and detained him for four hours associated with this. <laughs> Even though my friend went out and said, no, this isn't the guy, Las Vegas police, in their wisdom, decided that they were this going to detain yeah. this poor guy who, I don't know the full story, was probably out
1: walking. What they, were, they may have known him from other circumstances. No, too. I think he
0: was some guy in the neighborhood who was walking. <laughs> in the wrong place. At in the wrong time, that. yeah. yeah. And um, so I have known people that have have had home invasions occur. And I've known people who have been dramatically shaped by these kind of experiences.
1: Well, I really am of the opinion that, it, that it's better to be polite than to be rude in almost yeah. every circumstance. Yeah. You know, you, you're more likely to get your own point made. Uh, I mean, there's just no... You know, being rude to people may make you feel good for a couple of minutes, but it's not going to make the world a better place. Yeah, this fellow's
0: story was interesting. It's like 8.30 at night for folks listening in. This guy's offering free carpet cleaning for tonight only.
1: <laughs> for tonight only at 8.30. Only tonight. Oh, for yes. one room
0: for free <laughs> carpet cleaning.
1: I'm looking and, at And him. you chose him to be polite with? You're right. I'm just. I'm in a polite mood this evening, Heron. You know
0: what can I say? My favorite thing, actually, because in our new place, the Jehovah's Witnesses we've heard are are relatively thick on the ground. My favorite question. This comes from the UK, actually. In the UK, we lived in a terrace house along a relatively short street. And at the, it was a cul-de-sac on one end and on the other end of the street, the local utility company called United Utilities decided to dig a hole which basically stopped us from leaving the street for, you know, extended periods of time. And then we could get out for like three or four cars at a time. It was really very strange. So for months afterwards, if Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons came to the door, I just said, are you from United Utilities? And then just started this long rant associated with (laughs) United Utilities. I said, have you seen the hole out there that you guys dug? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Talk about, how, You know, three cars at a time can leave and that no one's doing any work on it. And if you guys were working on the whole rather than coming and knocking the doors... Then it would be a completely yeah. different world. Don't fix that hole now. I don't have time to talk to you if you're not going to fix that hole. And usually after about, and I could do this for about five minutes with, because I was doing circular <laughs> breathing at the time. And I get more and more angry with them about this United Utilities <laughs> bullshit. And, um, they were completely and utterly flawed. Like I would literally just open the door and start on this diatribe. Yeah. And by the end of it, they were just like, thank you walking on <laughs> right. their way. They've yeah. lost all their pre-programmed yeah. speech.
1: Yeah. That's what I did to Christians for a while. Yeah. We talked about that, I think, once. Yeah. No, yeah. I.
0: there's a sufficient... The street that we're moving to, there's a cement works and some other heavy industry that runs its trucks up and down the street. It's an interesting area, because it's an old Italian neighborhood. The fellow across the street, his sister used to live over there with the family, and his sister actually married the former owner of the house that we purchased 70-odd years ago. Mm. Um, So it's an old Italian neighbourhood with all these Italian families that many of whom still live there, some of whom are selling out, some of whom are, uh, you know, moving back, having lived elsewhere just to maintain the family home. And they have no time for any of these trucks. So the street over was able to put in something that stopped the trucks from going through, I think, Poles. And they're currently petitioning for these poles to be put in our street. As soon as the poles get put in, immediately I think uh, the house and the whole value of the neighbourhood goes up. Yeah. Because these trucks are just insane. So I'm going to memorise the companies that the trucks drive for. And then when these people come around, I'm just going to start a diatribe associated (laughs) with... Are you from VT Cement? VT Cement? VT Cement? You see that truck there? That's illegal right there. And you just keep going like this for <laughs> about five minutes of this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that you got the time to do that, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, like I said, I had, I I had time for Christians at one point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, only the ones who approached me with Bibles in their hands. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I guess the whole, you know, the whole, uh, Yeah. Honey bait phenomena
0: was only, I guess, with young, young Christians.
1: Honey bait phenomenon? Have you, are you familiar with the term honey bait? No, I'm not. So, the
0: Mossad, not the Mossad, Mossad had a technique where they would recruit particular kinds of uh, male and female agents. Uh, and they would send them on these missions, which were called honeybait missions, which they would use to attract either I don't know some way to kind of get in with you know some Palestinian or what have you. But they would use very attractive men and women. There's a film uh, Munich that pays some homage to this, although the honeybait wasn't Israeli in that. Um, but it's a well-known phenomenon. I think honeybait. or maybe it's a term of a, of a generation ago, but honeybait, in terms of a, either attractive young man or woman that's like inserted in a place in order to, you know, gather intelligence and okay. uh, things okay. like that. Okay. Yeah.
1: So they're going just phys- just strictly on physical appearance, mm. their attractiveness. Mm. Well, they must have some other obviously, of yeah. I mean, clearly, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, they can't be, you know. they, yeah. they
1: Maybe were they going for charisma too, or were they just going for good looks? Well, I think there's
0: probably some sliding scale, but yeah. you know, it needs to be high in at least one of them, and relatively yeah. high yeah. in the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The combination needs to work. Yeah. yeah, assuming that it's linear. It's certainly within the Christian groups. I think it's pretty well known as well. Um And the fundamentalist Christian groups, too, that, you know, this is a...
1: Well, that makes sense. Mm. I mean, if you're trying to... Those are the people you're trying to reach. Yeah. You know, anyone who falls for that shit, you know, like they say, anyone who, you know, thinks they need to go to a psychiatrist probably ought to go to one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. It's funny, actually, that... This whole nature, I was watching through the week as part of this, which I think is dead, the 10 hours of Netflix, associated with what has happened to Jewish humor. But it was a blueprint where if you remove the Jewish and you remove the humor, it's a discussion that you and I have had and also something that I wonder about. Because the discussion was about the fact that 50 years ago, there was a different kind of Jewish humor in this country. But I think in general, actually, there was just a different well, kind just of Just Jewish
1: humor. Every kind of yeah. humor has changed
0: yeah. in 50 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. But actually, that there were qualities of 50-year-old humor that you could never... Like, there was a hard edge to it, which is completely lacking in modern-day humor. Like, it was coming from... Well, it depends on who you're... Listen,
1: there's some pretty hard-edged humor out
0: yes, there. Yes, but it's not associated. It's not associated with the bitter irony of life. It's associated. I agree, who are with- you
1: listening to? I mean, well, anyway, I, it seems to me there are people out there talking about really deep shit. It surprises me sometimes. Certainly, but yeah, it's one guy, two guys. Yeah. <laughs> that may be it. You know. Yeah. Or people, I should say, cause there are maybe some women, but I haven't run into any women. That yeah. I, I think the, the uh, I wonder this
0: associated with comedy in this country in the uk i had very limited access to comedy i'm not saying that i had no access in terms of ability to see and interact with but it didn't strike me as being funny Mm -hmm. and i think there's some critical point in that i think i told you associated with the last comedian i went and saw where he basically heckled me for not laughing (laughs) at his jokes so you know i'm actually slightly nervous about going and seeing other comedians based on that account.
1: yeah like I was Well, yeah, trying to be funny it. is, uh, yeah, is a tough situation to be in. Yeah. I'm here to make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks, man.
0: I find it relatively easy, not only with my coworkers, also with my spiritual advisor and a few other people to get them to laugh at particular points. Like, even if they're really genuinely angry or in some other mood, I can usually lighten the mood with humor, you know, given a few basic For some people,
1: you can do that, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. You, can, you can make yeah, some you of the people laugh all of the in time. I mean,
0: you can't make all of the people laugh all of the time, yes. But it strikes me that my spiritual advice comments on this that I do have a genuine need to make people laugh in certain circumstances. And as we were watching this documentary on Jewish humor and the transitions in Jewish humor, it made me realize that there was a lot of kind of subcontext of humor through my father's my Jewish side of the family that never existed on my mother's side of the family. And really, it maybe just reinforced. I mean, the whole notion of the Jewish experience in this country is distinctly different. In America. Different in America is distinctly different to my understanding of the Jewish experience in Australia. And it's yeah. funny, actually, because my wife, has they're coming around to a, the house on a Sunday. My wife has a Jewish friend who actually married a, uh, I guess, what would you call him? A Latino fellow. Um, and she is just intentionally neurotic, intentionally, i you know, the Jewish princess as it's captured over here. <laughs> because she knows she can yeah. get away with it. And I, when I'm in her company, I point out to her that I actually find a lot of this not indigenous to Judaism, as she wants to assert, yeah. but actually just indigenous to whatever she thinks of Judaism. Yeah, this society. is your
1: well, this is your little story. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: she—it's hard to characterise my my wife's friend here. She went to.
1: Are a- you sure you want to characterize your wife's friend <laughs> this is,
0: here? This is this is a particularly. <laughs> this woman is just beyond neurotic, and she interrupts you continuously, which means you never actually get to make a point. She was advised, I think, by a doctor somewhere along the line, perhaps associated <laughs> with the death of her mother, that she should go to a spiritual center, and she went to the spiritual center for a few weeks. At which point, after spending... I probably should change her name in this. Good idea. I I will change her name. The spiritual advisor, after talking about meditating for half an hour, she said, God damn, Rochelle, you've just got to control that fucking monkey mind of yours. And this was after, like, you know, hours of kind of ohms and, like, back yeah, to it. Yeah, She said, why don't you just go smoke some fucking weed and leave the rest of us alone? <laughs> she just completely broken this spiritual leader who she was paying $50 an hour or more. <laughs> oh,
1: I don't think she broke
0: her at all. She plus plus people.
1: just said, fuck you. Yeah, she <laughs> no, said is, the truth. Yeah, yeah, you can't
0: pay me enough to deal with your personality, yeah, woman. You. Get don't out of play. my space. Anyway... <laughs> So through some discussion (laughs) with my wife, this woman said to my wife that we all, her husband, my wife, and I, and her, should smoke weed together. Because she said she has a kind of curious relationship, both with my wife and with me. When I'm in her presence, I just try to completely deconstruct all the nonsense that she's throwing at me. But when my spiritual advisors told me that this woman wanted to smoke weed with me and her and her husband, it just struck me that that is
1: just the most nightmarish scenario I can possibly imagine. Oh, that strikes me. Yeah. To me, that looks like a great opportunity.
0: (laughs) My main concern, actually, is that there's some underlying sexual nonsense that's going
1: on here. Well, but it doesn't make a difference what's going on in their heads. It's what's going on in your head that counts. Well, except my perspective on this whole scenario
0: is that it would no in no way. I mean even spending time with this person is not particularly pleasurable for me.
1: Yeah, I understand that. But, I'm just saying yeah. that that if if you chose to do it, it could be a really interest. Well, again, yeah, it's, to me that like that looks like a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, to let them think whatever the hell they're thinking, I don't even give a shit what they're thinking.
0: Yeah. I don't know whether it's getting older or whether it's working at Netflix or what it is, but my time is really,
1: my mom ah, pointed yeah. this out to me.
0: My time is a precious thing.
1: You, you, you know, the only thing that counts is person seconds. Yeah. That's the unit of value. Yeah, not minutes. Yeah. It's seconds. And you, every second you spend doing something you'd rather not be doing, yes, you have wasted your. That life. is the benefit of being
0: an adult: is that you have the control over this. My spiritual advisor said to me through the week that she has another friend who's similarly like this person, who I've called now Rochelle, which I'll continue to call her Rochelle
1: because it's not her name. Yeah. And um, how do we know that it may really be her name? It's not her name, name believe me. But you're me. just using using believe it to me. throw us off. See? Believe me. <laughs> Well, and okay. So anyway, so the- <laughs>
0: And the purpose of this other woman was to come over while we were working on the house and so her husband could come over and tell us what we were doing wrong. And I just cut my <laughs> wife off at that point.
1: Oh, that sounds like said, fun. There's no fucking way. Do not bring these people into my environment. This will not end well. You know? <laughs> well, that could be fun, though, see? And instructive, even. But, but I agree with you. You're right. Yeah, it'd probably be better just not to do that. I mean,
0: w- when you do this these things people will always give you advice but they don't understand you they have no personal well, or any yeah, and who
1: cares about know. their advice anyway exactly. do they really know anything or is it just their opinion the, that is always nice. yeah so yeah i mean if you if you think you can there's something for you to gain out of it then i'd go for it but if yeah. there's nothing for you to gain out of it then why waste your time yeah yeah Well, I do appreciate... I mean, through...
0: It's funny, actually, because through my wife's extended quilting circle, she actually knows a family who knows a fellow I work with very closely. So we have this strange situation today where my wife texted me, do you know so-and-so? And I said, yeah, I work with so-and-so all the time. You know, he's a great guy. Yeah. And it turns out he
1: goes, oh, to, that's interesting. He goes cool. to Mexico
0: yeah. with this family on an annual basis, and that's how they all know each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is strange, these social
1: connections. I've, I've typically tried to avoid these things. I wouldn't even label it social connections. Mm. I'd just say connections. Mm. There's... You know, there's no point in labeling this shit, really. Yeah. These kinds of things come up, and sometimes they're really significant, and many times they're not. But it's good to have your antennas tuned to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So through the week, you watched her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stimulating. I'm probably going to have to watch it again.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I could probably watch it through one of the means I have available to me.
1: I would imagine.
0: One of the fellows who's attending Conscious in the Cloud was a consultant for it and appeared on a series of radio interviews uh-huh. associated with it. So yeah, I'll. But I've seen some of his talks, and I, you know, strongly disagree with some of the things that he proposes. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting interaction. But I well, think we yeah, if we're going to talk
1: about that. You should. We actually. have mutual,
0: yeah, we have mutual respect on a few things, and he's actually one of the few people other than Bob Mottram who's written on the Nobelate blog. So his name is Steve Omohundro, and he is the president of Possible Research, based in Palo Alto. And I think aside from, you know, this, he consults associated with artificial intelligence and general
1: intelligence. Okay, so he was one of the people they talked to about this whole general idea. Yes. Okay, okay, I got it. And he's talked ever since on it. I mean, he's... he's yeah. You know, and he's probably a fucking idiot. <laughs> but I'm not being we'll particularly see.
0: impressed by stuff. But once yeah. <laughs> once you're in his circle, he's one of these. He's one of these folks, which I, I might be guilty of as well, here, and I know you're guilty of this.
1: Yeah, no, once, he's looking, once, you're talking
0: to your audience. Yeah, once they're in your circle, they're considerably more gung ho about your staff than they might have been independently
1: and i guess once wait a minute say that again i'm not if sure I'm, i understood that that wasn't what i was thinking i'm relatively think. critical of
0: bruce damer but i'm certainly far less critical because i know him than i would be if i didn't know him and my view is that when you meet people and when people become part of your social network, you can disagree with them, but the way in which you disagree with oh, them is I considerably yeah. Yeah. different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whether, yeah. Whether or not there's some other connection yeah. that, that overrides all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's the, that's the heart of the dilemma, I think.
0: Yeah. They're still polite and friendly, like, which you typically don't have to be if you're. You know. See,
1: I've been out of touch for so long that I don't really have any relationships with anybody other than sort of professional relationships that I've established here on the web. Yeah. So, <sighs> but that's important. the whole idea of establishing a reputation. Well, do you say that, and I'm, I'm aggressively against that,
0: Aaron. Really? I think the whole nature of a reputation is too much based on things that not only do you have no control over, but actually if you're doing the right thing, you'll probably have a bad reputation.
1: Well, it has to do with the quality of the observer, though well i mean does. it's really not up to me it's that's the exactly motivation. The it's, it's the motivation of me. the
0: observer it's not the quality of the observer well, well, it's, whether it's both the-
1: it's probably both all i'm yeah. saying is, is you're you're right it's not up to me all i can do is my part but and, the- and then i hope yeah. that, that there are people who can see that
0: yeah, I think a lot of this is better achieved by work effort than it is by concerning yourself with the notion of reputation.
1: Because if well, I, you, No, I'm not saying it's either or. I'm just no, no, saying but it's I'm, one aspect. That's I,
0: all. I, I mean, my yeah. perspective is, and maybe in certain circles, I mean, I'm pretty sure in a number of circles, my reputation is tarnished to non-existent to negative. But having said that, I'd much rather... If I was concerned about that on any level, it would change my approach.
1: Well, no, it, the people you work with now probably have a different opinion of you. Uh, I mean, the past is is really not any measure of this thing. Yeah. The issue is how you live day to day. Which seems to me to
0: be independent of the
1: reputation that you're talking about. Well, no, well, like I say, it also depends on the person who's observing. Yeah, if a person, yeah. I think you, that's why I say the market is small, five percent or something. For for most people, that's not probably going to work. But for a few discerning people, uh, they will see that, given the opportunity.
0: You see, I guess the problem is that the reputation that well, uh, let me let me paraphrase what I hear you saying. The reputation that you are seeking to get is with individuals who I think are already reputation. Oh, this is my critique. Are already reputationally flawed. And I think particularly in the domains that we are maybe looking to explore here, then there's circumstances where you're not dealing with the same reputation that you would want to have. It's all very abstract.
1: (laughs) No, I don't. No, I I don't. Yeah, I have no idea what you're even talking Uh, about. Let's use It's just within my own mind Mm -hmm. to live and act in such a way that my what I do and what I say I'm going to do are enough in alignment that people aren't going to be pissed off about it. When I interact with KMO, when I appear on his
0: podcast, when he appears on Stone Apes, what have you. Well, now let's talk about when I appear on his podcast. What I'm presenting there could be very much tailored or more tailored to his audience than what I... Actually, present.
1: Well, you can do anything you want. Exactly.
0: But I would much rather portray myself as close as possible to the things that I'm thinking about or working on, with the view that if this resonates with anyone and they come back and want to work with me, I want them to be collaborating at that point. Right,
1: yeah, right, yeah. You want to, yeah, that (laughs) makes sense. That's exactly why I would be doing it too. I'm looking for people to play with. (laughs) Mm.
0: However, there are a number of things that concern me about KMO and a number of things that concern me about the Folks that appear on his podcast and within that sphere i don't want to be considering reputation as i represent myself uh, to kmo so in this I, context
1: I, well, I don't even know what that even means well, i wouldn't even to me that's all irrelevant the issue is for me it's if i have an opportunity or a forum to put some information into the world that mm-hmm. i think is important i'm going to take it yes you know and i'm trying to do it as well as i can i can probably be a lot better than i am but i'm still going to take the opportunity. so
0: yeah that's that well, for example, this is an actual example. Now, probably six years ago, uh, Richard Dawkins, through his website, started to deep link some audio that I was responsible for maintaining and some images and then pulled all the text like verbatim from the website and put it on his own website. And through this interaction, I was communicating with a few people who were historically part of the biotic community. And one of them went apeshit on me. And she said, you have ruined your reputation by representing this text here. And the way that you've represented this text has tarnished you. You will never be able to interact with Dawkins or his people going forward. And it's all on you. And my experience through that is, firstly, I tried quite pleasantly to reach out to Dawkins on a number of occasions and what i got in response was this quite aggressive and incredibly stupid reaction by that point i had no
1: interest in were you beginning responding to i mean getting responses from him personally or from just some guy on his staff somewhere Dawkins reached out to someone
0: I knew And berated him Associated with this interaction
1: Well no I was just asking about the, the Dawkins would Not communi-
0: These head games are not Based on wanting to communicate with me He wanted to communicate with someone He knew was relatively close to me So this person could then come back and talk to me about it <sighs> Jesus. So when you start interacting with these kind of people, you realize that this notion of reputation, which ultimately should work with these people,
1: is something well, that no, you- like I say, reputation isn't just about you. It's also about the people who are observing you. It's their evaluation of you. If yes. they can't evaluate you well, that's on them, yeah. not you all you can do is try to make it make sense for you mm. the the rest but like i say if you strive to make it make sense for you i mean i guess that's the integrity i'm talking about is when i say when my when i do what i say i'm going to do i mean that's so simple to say but that subtly manifests in a million different subtle ways i now, guess the notion of reputation
0: here I always associate with the other, for want of a better term. The reputation here is something that the other perceives about me and something that I need to try to cultivate, either explicitly ah. or implicitly.
1: My sense is that it has everything to do with every person I interact with. Yeah. And that's all I can be responsible for, yeah. is that if I do it with some sort of integrity with every person, then... um then everybody who, who's actually met me, you know, if anybody ever asks, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, <laughs> they won't have anything bad to say about me. I guess it's that simple. So if
0: someone were to misrepresent your work. Uh huh. So, if someone
1: were to say, and this... Oh, that's ha- this happens all the time. I hear other people summarizing my shit, and it appalls me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've had it happen to me a few
0: times. Yeah, i sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. And it's interesting, though. <laughs> so, although this is even more abstract, if someone contacted... I, I mean, there are half a dozen people that we've talked about here that you know. If someone contacted one of them representing the fact that they were a student of yours... And tried to garner some work through them or this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are all these
1: kind of curious
0: permutations here that I think
1: is... Well, luckily, I haven't had anything like that happen to me yet. Um, That's an interesting one. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of course I know what we're talking about, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure this is the place to talk. Well, no, about. I think I mean I'm talking about it in very abstract terms, but I'm just saying the reputation here is very curious. See, my sense would be to get both parties together and to operate as an epistemological consultant between the two of you. Yeah, because it's not my issue anyway. Exactly. And uh but it's clear that the issue that does exist is mostly in the domain of language and probably can be handled quite easily there rather than getting into other issues that could be gotten into.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, this notion of in the domain of language, because when you say that although you're not really shielding its importance, you are saying that you can't say it exists in the domain of language as a... Uh, not necessarily negating, but a lessening factor.
1: No, it just makes it easier for people who are un- who are new to this stuff to accept it. Just the you know, if they can of- just accept, yeah. okay, in the domain. Later we'll get that really there isn't anything else but the domain of language, but they don't need to know that right now. I mean, maybe they do. If they can figure it out, good for them. When I describe the Dawkins
0: situation to you, my interaction with Dawkins and yeah. all this stuff, there was a kind of visceral air description, not explicitly put into words, but a sense clearly of your own emotion associated with this.
1: Really? And I think, yes, yes. Okay. And the thing that interests me through well, this no, I, is... Well, no, the thing is I wasn't clear whether you were actually in con- contact with Dawkins himself or some underling of his. No, well, I mean, i the
0: contact that I had, I made friends with very quickly following this, probably even through this, his webmaster.
1: Well, I, I, whatever. To, I'm just saying, to, yes. did you actually get responses from himself or somebody who works for him? I got responses from him via this other fellow who I knew, who said...
0: So he didn't respond to you directly? No. He's far too smart to respond to me directly.
1: (laughs) I'm serious. No, this whole, you know... Okay, so, well, whatever. Anyway, so you've got an email from somebody that works for him saying... No, 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 no. no. Let me say this again to you, Heron. All right. There was a fellow who...
0: It created the conference series that Dawkins spoke at, that Douglas Adams also spoke at, who I, over a period of time, because initially this fellow had his own issues with me, befriended. We communicated on a very frequent basis, and he is mutual friends with Dawkins. He's completely separate from Dawkins infrastructure, although Dawkins mentions him periodically in television specials and things like that associated with his groundbreaking work in Artificial Life. Dawkins contacted this person, you know, red hot rage, to then contact me the day following because we were out of phase. They were both in the UK and I was here to give me an account of what Dawkins said. I was able to defuse this guy in about two minutes. Because I actually passed him links and I said, this is, is. this is what it is, this is what it is, this is what it is, this is what it is. I think Richard has got the wrong information here. Um But nonetheless, it was a classic kind of manipulative, you know, schoolgirl ploy here that I was, you know bored with. It was something I thought was all too familiar in these circumstances. But no, it wasn't Dawkins Webmaster contacting me. Dawkins Webmaster is an underling in these circumstances, and behaved in a very polite and easygoing fashion with me, and apologised profusely of the way that this thing had carried out. Because... The web generation, of which I am on the fringes of the oldest of, but at least of that generation, understand the notion that deep linking, ripping off people's images, audio and text, is a pretty blatant and disgusting act of war in this framing, and the webmaster knew that he was fresh out of bounds with this whole behaviour, and the best way he could come at me was with a kind of apologetic tone, which is what he did. Dawkins, however, who clearly had orchestrated this thing, his behaviour was separate. But my point here is, returning to the domain of language, in just describing this, and you describing this other circumstance in the domain of language, there is a... on some regard, would like to, you know, be distant from, but have to be involved with in some sense... There is an emotional component. There is almost a morality within the language oh, that you, yeah. you
1: and I can talk about and we can both acknowledge. We this. don't have the language to talk about this yet. Uh, this is part of, this is part of the job that we have to deal with is to fumble with this stuff. Well, see, and, and to come up with yeah. a good language so that we can actually handle it. I think that's possible. And I think, I think fumbling with it is important. Mm. So fumble ahead. Yeah. <laughs> So, we haven't really talked
0: about morality and ethics in the scope of language, but clearly, on some level, when we talk about reputation, we have at least the start of a framework where some degree of agreement associated with morality and ethics could exist in these Ah, that's
1: interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that light. Yeah. yeah, This idea of, if you... If, if that really your reputation amounts nothing more than word of mouth, Mm. other people's reports Mm. of their interactions with you. Exactly. Anything else is bullshit. Yeah. So by that, I guess that's what I mean by reputation. If, if the best, if all they can report is, well, yeah, he does what he says he's going to do. Then I'd say that's a good reputation to have. But within this,
0: there is still a notion of what bad behavior is.
1: Um, yeah, I guess it's that, uh, well, no, not bad. It's just, no, he, he says one thing, but you can't count on anything he says, but he's a really nice guy. (laughs) The other guy's an asshole. So (laughs) you, within your description of language,
0: you find it very difficult to map language onto motivation. And we've talked about this historically. Say that again. The notion of malicious behavior or, attributing attributing so we've talked about for example what's the what's the Dawkins fellow the under Dawkins fellow that you like Sam Harris we've talked about some of of, for example his writing but also some of the assertions that he's made about you know Muslims and the protection that Muslims get (laughs) and these kind of things and through that discussion you find it very difficult to attribute motivation through language, it's almost the fact that
1: motivation through language. So,
0: it, let me give you the discussions that we had associated with Sam Harris was that you wouldn't know his true motivation unless you spent some quality time mono on mono, one on one with him, talking about these things. Yeah, I have no I, Yeah,
1: I've heard him give lectures. That's all I know about. Yeah, it. and I read something. Yeah, that is. That's. That's. Important, useful, a good place to get started, but if I wanted to talk about him, I'd have to spend some time with him, yes. But if the language is the important part... No, it's this, not the important part. It's a very important part. Certainly not all of it. Clearly. But is it important enough for you... It's
0: clearly important enough for you it's to make some... important. ...value judgments associated with what he is saying. Absolutely, yes. yes. Very important. But not strong enough... To have motivations behind the language.
1: Uh, I don't understand. So
0: you're willing to say that by listening to his talks, you have a sufficient agreement with him to cut him slack on potential other <laughs> misspeakings and things oh, like that, right? Oh, oh, okay. Because you well, have some affiliation yeah. through what he
1: is saying. Yeah, I like some of the yeah. stuff I've heard him say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I'm willing to cut anybody a little bit of slack. But where sure. where does it move from that to actually oh, understanding no. his motivation? Or Oh, I don't think I ever will understand his motivation. Okay. his those are That's not available to me. That's crazy. I should, I can barely understand my own motivations. Yes.
0: (laughs) But you can cut him, you can get a sense of him sufficient. So somewhere between
1: understanding his motivations and just listening to his language. I don't understand his motivations. All I have is his fucking language. Yeah. But through the rest is what I'm adding to it. But through through the fucking language, you, you know, you, you get a sense that there's a kinship there. Right, but that's all in my head. That's just my evaluation. That Certainly. has nothing to do with anything. That's just, yeah, it feels, uh, on some level, some of it feels really good. So when, when I describe to you the situation
0: with Dawkins, with the speech and the behavior around that and my interaction in these circumstances, yeah. Yeah. you obviously have some affiliation with me through this. You may not understand my motivations, but through some of the shit I've said, You've kind of agreed with me sufficiently that you're going to cut me some slack. This. <laughs> Very good. I'm just reconstructing this whole thing here.
1: Bear with me, listeners. Yeah. I hope you're taking good notes. Ah, uh, the slack I cut, man. <laughs> you know, I'm really looking – we talked earlier about 4K monitors. Mm-hmm. Uh have you seen any four k monitors? Aaron Where do I work? <laughs> oh, I assume you have okay anyway uh I mean that's really available all all well, it's available now but but I mean I imagine the next iMAX that come out are going to be capable of running a couple of four k monitors and what I'm looking at in fact recently i've started uh finding wallpaper on the internet for four k yeah, and and I've got these wonderful pictures of planet Earth that are just stunning. The thing about four K is that it's going to change the way people make movies. Oh, it's going to change everything. It's because, going to change the yeah. whole fucking world. Yeah, yeah. the the, yeah. the
0: the ability to make a movie in four K that's interesting is very different than even making an HD movie currently.
1: Well, it's 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 really I I don't see it any different than the move from film to to you know consider
0: to, focal length as a concept here.
1: Yeah. You want a situation,
0: we've already seen experiments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Funny enough, where I work. (laughs) Where you want a situation where you have perfect focus. And a depth of focus as well as perfect focus. Yeah. Yeah. The cameras that are going to be filming in 4K are going to be distinctly different beasts than even the ones we're really only in the zeroth generation yeah, of 4K. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: just beginning. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, ultimately. Yeah. Ultimately, it's going to be indistinguishable from reality, but yeah. that's going to take a couple more generations, probably. <laughs> yeah. But it's getting really good though. I mean, that's the thing is I've got a beautiful setup. I got two 27 inch Apple monitors here yeah. in front of me and they're 2560 by 1440. Yeah. And I've got really good, uh, you know, high res image. Well, the 3880 by whatever yeah. for 4K because these are beautiful. But man, if it was up one more level, one more notch, these things would be so stunning and yeah. 3D too. I mean, you know, I mean, clearly that's coming at some point. So yes. <laughs> How long do you think it's going to be in- before we get really reasonable 3D that just works? Mm. <laughs> So I think the technology I mean my view with regards to three D is you've
0: got to realize I've only seen in three D for the past two weeks, Heron. No, but this is a technological issue, isn't No, nothing. no, 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 really? no, no, no. It's a perceptual issue. the whole nature of three D as I've seen it up until now has been considerably in fact I my eyes have seen in three D and I've thought it sucked sufficiently that it doesn't appear to be three D to me. <laughs> no, I mean, my view is actually that the Where the of- hell did you get that idea? <laughs>
1: I talked to an optometrist who told me that my oh. diagnosis was wrong. Do you remember uh, that story? No, I mean the original idea. That, 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 I don't know. I'm confused. Keep going. Yeah, i, I really sorry. wanted to return to the whole language morality rap, but clearly you've pulled away from that, Oh, I don't so. care. I, no, listen, we going go into whatever you want. I'm just having fun here. Yeah. I um, mean, this is my fifth or sixth glass, so, you know, don't blame me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> The Nate, I mean, I it, maybe it's the, you know, the philosophy student in me, but the gulf between the Stonian perspective of language, which I think is very strong and very cogent to no doubt a wide variety of listeners and also you know, the Homo sapien in front of you, or at least electronically in front of you in an audio form.
1: You're inside my
0: brain at yeah. this
1: very moment. Yeah. So let let me, let me, let me explore this because the ethics
0: and morality, I think, have always been something that I've wanted to dissect in terms of the Mm. Stonian analysis.
2: Yeah. Because I
0: actually think there are components. I think the accusation that the Stonian analysis is pure relativism designed to distance you from yeah, any degree yeah, of responsibility, yeah. I think, is probably a poor perspective here. And I think thing- it's just
1: plain flat ass wrong. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that, the burden then becomes In yours. Fact, the burden becomes mine for the whole fucking universe. Yes. <laughs> so. Thanks a lot,
0: Bob. <laughs> this is something that I wanted to explore more because I think we can appreciate. That, if language is the primary means of communicating ideas, we can still agree that certain behavior even described by language, even if we don't know the motivations, although you you've talked very strongly. About the motivations being relatively inaccessible, if not impossible, to access in terms of others in particular. Which doesn't stop
1: us so. from speculating though. Well <laughs> Which is okay. I think it's good to speculate. Sometimes you land on something yeah. good,
0: you know. So in the past I've tried to talk about things like genocide as a means of instigating some discussion associated mm-hmm. with morality and ethics. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And you've avoided that quite. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just the damn story.
1: Well, but- I can see it. See. Well, the thing is, yeah, I can see. I can see making stories for that any way you want to. You but know. More importantly, with regards to, you see, reputation kind of goes against some of the
0: Stonian components here because it is uh-oh <laughs> it is curious i've kind of wandered through this for the past few weeks when we've talked about reputation because it's been a reoccurring topic really it has mm. that's
1: interesting okay I think but reput- it's true it's is, something yeah. i've been yeah i've been concerned with this yeah. for some time yeah
0: yeah i mean my my sense of reputation like your you know love of ice cream is that it's part <laughs> of something that's prior to your
1: awakening but it's something that is still... Ah, no, it's not that way you. for me. This is something that came out of my awakening. Yeah, I never, gave I never even thought about it before that. The idea that what I said had anything to do with what I was actually going to do tomorrow. You have a degree <laughs> of respect for, well, this is the Second World
0: War generation, but I think it might have something to do with your adopted father as well. That there were qualities in that generation, perhaps embodied in mm. your adopted father,
1: that's a nice it, idea. I like still that. still
0: had some resonance with you. And rather than distancing yeah. yourself from yeah. these things, yeah. the notion of a reputation, I think, comes from something fantastic. <laughs> it thing it is certainly might. That yeah. I've been reflecting very critically. I mean, my grandfather, who was in the Second World War, was a real bastard. I mean, he really was like a hard ass and just a nut, associated with a variety of things.
1: Yeah, he, he could well, be. A lot of people were assholes, silly. you know, just yeah. because they were in the war didn't change that. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It just justified that. Yeah. Some well, point no, it way. doesn't even
0: do that. Yeah. But you know, well, it, the, it did for them yeah. anyway. It justified. Yeah, for they them tried to pull it,
1: it. off, yeah. and they apparently got away with yeah. it.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the notion of reputation is so. Um, it's both, in some regard, intangible through the Stonian analysis, which is why I've tried to dig into
1: it. Uh, see, times. it's just so simple for me. There's nobody that I've ever had an interaction with, in, in, maybe at least in the last 10 years, who could possibly say anything bad about me. No. Uh, look... Okay, so what – What? what and unless they're just do- – ta- no, and, and I have had some crazies, so yeah. Uh, but I think <laughs> if we had a jury going here, we'd find that those people who've got a problem with me are mostly wackos. <laughs> mm, and I'm comfortable with that. I, mean, I expect that I'm going to piss some people off. It's a self-fulfilling – way- it's a, a bit of a self-fulfilling process. Well, no, anybody just- who says anything with any substance and any passion is going to piss somebody off for some reason yeah. or other. Yeah. Probably. I
0: I mean, I, guess I, I, you know. I defer to this notion that you can't please all which you can't please <laughs> yeah. all the people all the time. I don't even think you can please some of the people all the time.
1: Not all the time, no. Yeah. No, you hopefully you can find some you can find your audience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it may be small. Yeah. Uh but you know, but but yeah. The notion of a reputation through this, in particular the idea
0: I guess the people who would talk against me are always people that I've attempted, or some of them are people that I've attempted to win over and then have had some success winning them over. It is a very difficult process, though. I I guess my sense of reputation, and I've tried to clarify this as much as possible with you, still doesn't dive deep enough into this notion of morality and ethics through the language, which is something mm. that I'm just going to have to find a different way of constructing in the future. I've had. I mean, I'm not.
1: Attempts. Say that again, because I'm not so, quite clear about what you just said. Implicitly, <clears throat> when we talk about things. We, you mean when you and me, or you mean we, everybody? You and me specifically. Okay. All right. Because I
0: have to tease elements. It's it's a bit like um, Socrates and uh, and uh, Plato, you know. It's because I have to tease elements of the Stonian you know. I have to try to create this advanced coursework. Well, shit! I have about.
1: to make this shit up every time you ask exactly. these questions. I don't have answers exactly. for. I, I have to make it up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't easy.
0: But through this, you and I in our talking have been able to implicitly and sometimes even explicitly agree upon points of ethical behaviour. Maybe not always moral And
1: I think that we may be in agreement on more things than you and I are even aware of. Certainly. However, through this, there would be... And my
0: sense of creating an ethics to the Estonian ethic is that Mm. if you have that... You have something to take back to the people that just say this is pure relativism and it's just about distancing your responsibility from mm. everything.
1: Well, anyone who says that isn't worthy of consideration. I mean, they clearly haven't been listening to anything I said. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just bullshit, you know, and there's not even really any point in even trying to answer somebody like that unless they're willing to go one-on-one with you. And I'd gladly go on one-on-one with anybody like that. So
0: that—that that is your—that's returning to your idea of motivation. Because the reason that you go one-on-one with someone is to either so you could understand their motivation, or so they could understand you. Well, so motivation.
1: we can all understand as much as we can possibly exactly.
0: understand, but in particular associated with motivation. Because what you're I, appealing to I, there is that you <laughs> can tell the out. Through interacting one-on-one, you can convince the other person of your motivation through that.
1: Um, No, I certainly wouldn't say it that way.
0: So what's the benefit of going one-on-one with someone?
1: For me? Yes. It's to find out what's going on. You don't want to use the M word? M word meaning? Motivation here. Okay, okay, so that's what you mean by motivation then, is just... Why are they doing what they're doing? Well, what would you define motivation? Well, I, I don't know. I, well, no, that, I'm fine with that. I just I didn't know because motiv- people throw that word around all over the fucking place. I never know what it, the hell the does. Way you Why don't you it? usually use it very? That's not a big word in my vocabulary. Well, you might not be aware of it, but you do use it. Oh, I I, I may. Okay, go on. Uh, so anyway, yeah, if you're talking about is be you know, do people have some story going on about what they're doing? Yes, they do. Yes, and
0: the easiest way to get. Access to that
1: is to talk to them one-on-one. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, Find fact, out exactly what their
1: story is. In fact, purely listening to them or purely observing or reading their language Better is not enough. Well, it's, that helps, but no, you're right because that could be scripted. Yes, that's why it's got to be spontaneous. Yes, because there's no time for them to, to you know, it, when it's written, they, they have time to edit it. There's no time to edit when you're talking. As I sat back here, I thought, well, this is my big Friday night date.
0: Don't go <laughs> to Harris.
1: Getting drunk again.
0: <laughs> Plastered again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The funny thing is, it was only thirteen minutes that got you to quaff your wine last, Like the, it was only thirteen minutes for you to finish your wine glass through the last.
1: discussion. Oh, we have that's right. You you've got them all timed. Yeah, I've got them you all restart time. the the recording? Yeah, I see where it was. <laughs> and it gets closer together as you get closer <laughs> yeah. near the end. Yeah, you're guzzling it now, right? Pretty soon it's <laughs> three minutes of glass. You're just throwing them back. <laughs> Yeah.
0: My view actually is that probably, as has been acknowledged, I need to delve into this over multiple recordings. And doing this all in one night, as you continue to consume more and more wine, probably produces stuff that in no way should fit into this spectrum of discussion.
1: Really? You think I'm thinking this is really the best part. <laughs> Historically it's worked
0: that way, but my view is actually that we're trying to build something here. Okay, let me let me just throw it well, out. Well,
1: you there. can have these as special ones just for the, you know, the 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 elite people yeah. who support the the, the podcast. Yeah. We can let them listen to this stuff. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> How much should we charge them for that? I don't know. My view is actually
0: perhaps we should be paying them to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, how much should we be paying them now? <laughs> uh, listeners, submit your amounts. All will be
1: considered. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, send us a receipt. Yeah. Or yeah not a receipt, a, a bill, bill. A, a bill. bill, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so... Let's, okay. So this notion of motivation has always interested me because you're right. Uh, it is yeah. a
1: secondary topic, but it's something
0: that we've discussed in particular associated well, so to with, me, with public the figures. That's the story.
1: That's the story. The motivation is people have this story. Yeah. And that's, you know, no matter what happens to them, it gets somehow filed into this story that they've got going. And that's the motivation is to, is to make everything fit with the story that they've got going. You
0: may recall, you may not, maybe four recordings ago, you were a little under the weather and you started talking about married people. And we kind of stuck on this and it (laughs) went all...
1: Married people.
0: Married people. Oh, every which way wrong. (laughs) That is an example where certainly in the re-listen, in the instance of the interaction, we went in completely different directions. So uh-huh. there are actually even in the one-on-one discussion even though I'm not sitting in front of you. I mean, I don't know how close you need to be to have a one-on-one discussion
1: in your No, framing. this this is as yeah. close as I ever want to get. You're inside my head. Damn scary. How much closer do you need to get? That's close enough. So
2: Thank-
0: in in this framing, you still can completely misjudge people's
1: Absolutely. motivations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it almost begs the question of whether See, that I wouldn't say the people's purpose. motivation I- I would say people I misjudge mm. people. Mm. So returning to this notion of ethics within this. Mm-hmm.
0: You and I can have a conversation on some things. Obviously we can't have it associated with genocide and a few other topics. But on some topics you and
1: oh, I Oh man, I think there's any topic we can talk about.
0: No, no, I understand. I'm not asserting yeah. that yeah. we can't talk about. It's I'm just, saying
1: that in the conclusion those are the of easy the discussions ones, yes. Yeah, genocide's
0: no. easy topic. The, the conclusions of the discussions we can have some ethical agreement which mm. is implicitly communicated. Now, the way in which you dis- describe this, mm. in I'm asserting this, you can correct me, is that our our narratives, our um, stories. A pre-programmed independently of our interaction to contain similar
1: ethical parts. No, no, I'm resonating. not saying that. No, I'm not saying that at all. How would you say that? I'm saying that our story sort of blossoms within us based on us as a sort of mirror for the environment that we are raised in. <laughs> and so we just sort of, way- by osmosis <laughs> or something, we just sort of... You know, and some of us take very different, like I say, some of us don't quite take the imprint just quite right, (laughs) you know, but it appears that most do.
0: It is possible without question for you to have an interaction with someone who is so... Uh, here's where the language gets really interesting. So let me yeah. try to yeah. find this. Yeah. You are communicating with someone who has tangential, orthogonal, ethical views to you. Mm-hmm. In that interaction, you can still have some discussion that conveys some form of meaning.
1: Oh, and can even have fun. However,
0: on the ethical points, this is where it gets particularly curious, because what uh-huh. we want in the ethical points is some way that you can either change your change your ethics, or agree with someone's ethics independent of explicit language interactions. Uh, I don't, so,
1: for example... Actually, I don't understand what you are okay, said. Okay, let me let me explain this to you. All right. We've discussed genocide historically, and... When I, and I don't remember if we came to any conclusion, or I don't even know what my... If you ask me now, I'm going to have to make up something. Okay, let me tell you.
0: Uh, then uh, you can agree or disagree with your prior uh, account. My view has always been, and this is perhaps due to my studying philosophy brain damage that from your language analysis from your notion of the story of the language machine these kind of things yeah there are things that can exist as the dreaded f word matters
1: of fact which (laughs) can on some level create a degree of i would say there may be Mm -hmm. i'm just saying whether Mm -hmm. there is or isn't is irrelevant So genocide is a good example of this, but even the death
0: of an individual human being. Yeah. It's something which is, um, a finite conclusion. Yeah. Is something which true after, you know, generations, this thing can become something completely separate, but you do, I mean, in abstract terms, you're constantly having conversations and interactions with people where they would describe things completely differently.
1: But there are definitive points. No, we're not. We're constantly in communication with people who define things exactly the same way we do. Well, um, people must not exactly... I must
0: be a counterexample to that. Because well, I constantly I, I, find circumstances where... Well, you've cultivated that. No,
1: no, you've cultivated that, and you've developed it, and you should stay, take responsibility for it, Yes. The way most people think is uh, probably 180 degrees from the way you think about everything.
0: What I find particularly curious is around certain events that three or four people can have distinctly different stories about the same event. (laughs) Well, every person's got a different story. Well, that goes against what you said previously
1: because you said that there was the same. Well, there are – Yeah, well, both are true. Yes, Yes. it's not either or. Yes, Yes. on one level, anyone who speaks English is is running the same fucking story. Now, they're all very subtle variations on that and they're not all the same. Everyone is unique. Yeah. But compared to the French story or the German story or the Chinese story, the uh, fucking English story is the English story. It is very interesting.
0: And it's something that I'm very well aware of, particularly because I work with, you know, Russians and Chinese folk and a wide variety of other that They
1: live in a different
0: fucking universe. <laughs> to a certain extent, yes.
1: Yes. Well, that, that, that's the issue is to what extent, how can we try to figure out how the hell we're going to communicate? Yes. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough question. Yes. Returning to this idea
0: of ethics and whether ethics can, whether there can be Estonian ethics. Mm, Estonian ethics, ooh. When we've talked about (sighs) this associated with genocide, your commentary has typically been that after, well, even during, but as we talk about it after the fact, the additional weighting that we may put onto it, the additional ethics that we may want to add to it. Because it was a genocide instead of just, people die yes yeah is very much intertwined with the story oh yeah absolutely sure and i'm moderate the more we talk funnily enough the more i'm sympathetic to this which is very curious to me because it's really
1: oh, it's, it's not curious. it's, it's kind of obvious <laughs> it's just you can't get language out of any of this shit that we're doing here yeah it's impossible. In- what we're doing here is in the domain of language. But you want through this, you may want to have an
0: ethics that can be based in the Stonian description.
1: Well, that's an interesting idea. I'm I'm open to uh, considering that. Yes. However, through
0: an ethics, you need to have a means of. There needs to be maybe, potentially, possibly <laughs> some absolutes through this. That
1: enable you to actually, because. No, there's no reason not to have absolutes as long as you understand that you've chosen to make them absolutes. Yeah, no problem. My theories are sort of like that for me now. I mean, they could be overthrown if I find something better. Fine. But I'm pretty much committed to the story that I've got. I like it. I don't, I haven't found anything better, you know? So I'm going to go with it. Yes. But who knows? <laughs> you know, like I say, it might be difficult for this way of thinking, this story that I've got to get overthrown, but it's certainly nothing sacred about it. It's just the best story I've come up with.
0: I can't imagine in a year's time. I mean, this was almost my hope through the <laughs> 16 to 18 months where we didn't communicate was that I would get on the line with a completely and different I'd be different because it was the
1: same old bullshit you heard before.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually really quite Sorry. striking because I in in our initial recording, which I think is um, oh, that's funny. That's a good story. I, I kind of go through the <laughs> potential. Has this changed, Aaron? Are you doing this different? How about it's that, Aaron? What's same, going on it's there? The
1: same old shit. He was saying before exactly. Yeah, it's the same old same stuff. I've been yeah. saying this shit for
0: forty years, except no podcasts through this period. I mean, that's the that's the.
1: I mean, I'm waiting for Mods to put up the... uh Yeah, yeah he's got a whole bunch of them. there. I Well, when he gets around to it, listen, I'm no pressure on Mods. Uh, Joe the Drummer was... Mods and I were able to
0: establish that Joe the Drummer was the guy whose audio you might have passed to. Him. In fact, you have, where Joe asked not to have it released. Although Andrew did for earlier ones, apparently. The yeah. group that uh, Mods has is, is known Well, as it's as
1: beyond Andrew. me now. So if anybody's got an issue with me, you better talk to me about it. Well, I'll get in contact <laughs> with Mods
0: pretty swiftly and work out what's... Yeah going on with that audio?
1: Yeah. And please keep me in the loop. If somebody's unhappy about something, yeah. uh, we'll definitely check into it. And yeah, fix Joe, that. the
0: drummer asked for audio not to be transmitted. And apparently Joe, the drummer audio was provided in the, that was the one that I knew about. But aside from that, I don't know about yeah. any of your recording. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I don't know either. And unless yeah. somebody, uh, it, unless somebody tells me, I mean, I assume that everyone who's been there knows goddamn well that I'm recording it for the podcast. So. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if seriously, if you've got an issue with that, I will, I will not publish it, but hmm. let me know. Let me know the date. Let me know what episode. Uh, maybe I don't need all that, you know, whatever. But if I can identify it and you well, don't just want me name, to publish I it, I will. The, yeah. Just well, but I may name. have had several. Well, that would help. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. In any case, um, you know, let me know, please. And I will be, I'll do everything I can to satisfy whatever it is you need.
0: I've started after many years, and well after my father. I've been video chatting with my father for about three years now. My mother now has video chat.
1: Ah, on Skype or what? Uh, on Google
0: Chat, which is what my brother oh, okay. uses. Okay. Which is why we all use Google Chat.
1: Yeah. I
0: have historically talked to my mother on Skype. And I have all those recordings. I also have recordings. video as well as no, the no, audio. audio. Audio only. We only talk audio. Oh, okay. yeah. But now we talk video. None of those things are being recorded, and I kind of wonder if I'm missing. Well, you
1: can. No, you
0: can, can record I the know. video. But that, my know. view is actually probably it, it exists as a thing in audio, and I don't think I'd ever put it out. I might. Yeah, go back yeah. To the video. Report, I think yeah. is
1: just irrelevant yeah. for this stuff. I mean, it really to me it's just a distraction. Yeah. There are, like I say, if you're talking to your lover. Okay, video. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I, I mean, Heron, you know, we talk but, about this periodically, yeah. but I look like shit a majority of the time. And my view is actually the fact that people don't
1: see me is probably a well, really good thing. Well, it's just a, who thing. gives a shit what you look like? I mean, the whole idea that, you know, I don't give a shit what you look like. <laughs> I'm interested in hearing how you're thinking. And we'd lose listeners, I think, Aaron. That's my concern. Well, it's, that, um, that yeah. may very well be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm one of those people where the cameras capture me all the time wrong. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, see, it's just irrelevant. It, it's bes- it's a distraction. Certainly. What's important here are the ideas, the language. Yeah. Actually, it's the language. There's nothing but language here. That's all it is. This whole goddamn thing is just two guys blowing puffs of air at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Straight nattering. That's
0: all it is. Yeah, I... I- through the week as I was considering doing the Stone Ape Digests, I thought to myself, this would fundamentally change the format. I mean, my interest here is putting out oh. sufficient snippets of audio.
1: <laughs> See, I think, mm-hmm. I don't think it changes anything. We could just continue on. We are. And then when we find these little, mm-hmm. little segments that really work by themselves, publish those as separate issues. You know, if you want to get in on it, you have to put up with all the other crap that we didn't. Didn't snip out. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, I think you're right. I think there are a bunch of snippets in the last year or so that probably would. How long? Four years. Four years. Holy shit. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, So there's a lot of this shit. There's a lot of snippets. How many snippets do you think there
0: are? I think within 10 episodes, I could probably put up about 40 snippets.
1: Really? Yeah. So, and we got how many episodes? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 80-odd? 80. So, I mean, so anyway, there's a lot. You you think yeah. if you went back and just, like, yeah. the thing is, is found that would, little sections. I would yeah, make yeah. sure that each of them, because a lot of topics we kind
0: of recover in various ways. What I would actually try to do is start an archive internally,
1: and then when yeah, I... Yeah, this would groups, have to be well-considered. Yeah, yes, 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 well-considered and, and worth their time. Yeah. no, that's it's, the important thing, because I have a number
0: of people who I think could be drawn into the study yeah. format, but the time commitment, and yeah. in particular the mundane and bullshit... Yeah. And- no, you know you're right absolutely there's a lot topics of topics yeah. that we put out
1: first <laughs> eliminates those people yeah you're right that's a, that's a great idea tom mm-hmm. but that's a whole that's a big commitment though well I mean, what i'd like here is
0: i'd like to crowdsource some of this i know oh, i've had real yes oh with yes of nihilistics
1: what listeners. what are all this? these loafers out there listening to this shit if they can't start voting on yeah. some segments that they think are worthy of going on the on youtube yeah, all by themselves, yeah. as little snippets. Tom, ah, mm. oh, you're doing a good job. I try, I try him. You're doing a good
0: job. So yeah, my theory is also release probably a, a sister podcast, which would just be in you know, tens of these snippets, so people could you know move through them quickly.
1: Well, you don't you just make it a podcast. It's, no, just, no, it's, it's just it's just exactly. an archive. It's an archive thing. Yeah. 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 Here's some here's some highlights. Yeah. Here's some good here's some some moments that we thought you might find interesting. Yeah. Oh, that'd be inter- I can't wait to hear that shit. Yeah. Cuz I think there have been some really good. I think no, that's. I like there's anybody listening is because yeah. there has been some good shit. There's a lot of just not consistent crap enough. Yeah. No, yeah. But that's okay. I think there's value in this because this is how it works. People get this idea that that creation is clean you know no, that no, no, come no, up no. with new ideas. no it's fucking messy yeah. you know and there's a lot of bullshit that doesn't pan out it's oh, just man. stupid that's nonsense yeah. but if you continue doing it there are th- there are things that begin to bubble to the surface after a while yes it's a medium-term project heron but it's one that i want to float medium term what do you consider medium term
0: uh, it's something within the next six months
1: to be completed in six months?
0: Uh, to catch up, probably, well, to try to catch up within the next six months.
1: Try to catch, I don't know what that means.
0: Well, we're, we're in, we're at, we're at a point here. Uh huh. And within this recording, there may be three or four of these clips maybe yeah. within the previous recording there may be three or four of these clips in listening okay, to these yeah. recordings and creating yeah. these clips I'm okay. talking about catching up to the present day.
1: oh okay I got you, you but, I'm what, I mean, this, but this could go back right to the very beginning exactly no that's what I'm going to do but it'll yeah. take me six months to oh, do that okay. I this. got it I got, yeah. you. I yeah. got you okay yeah. that's what I was trying to figure out what, yeah. you, what you meant by six months yeah because that's a huge project that's yeah. a that's a big project. Well for people that edit audio all the time, it's not easy. well it would be helpful and you're right if people say, Well, I really loved this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, part of it's the written notes as well. It's grabbing the audio yeah. segments and then writing the notes uh, and everything. Uh, you've
1: already done a lot of that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, see, I'm so glad you're doing this and it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Plato and Socrates,
0: Karen. Plato I, and Socrates.
1: I don't know, but man, you're doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so I'm fresh out of topics, and I, I feel that I probably shouldn't engage in any more, unless you have a topic you just want to throw at. We've been going for more than three hours now, and It'll be edited down to less, but we've been going for more than three hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sitting here staring at some sort of seal in Alaska uh, with its mouth wide open, and all I can see is its teeth and its pink upper palate. Hmm. And it's a sort of white coloured and it's laying in the snow and it's like yawning or something. I don't know. Mm. It's a great picture.
0: <laughs> yeah, my optometrist
1: always has these nature
0: documentaries and I... I much rather have, view nature documentaries with the sound down or just no human narrative. I just much, yeah, just you don't need no,
1: the, no, the fucking narrative is yeah. usually just awful. <laughs> Disney
0: Nature, which we've talked about previously, actually has a new documentary about bears uh-huh. coming out. And I think uh, I might actually uh, go I, and see that.
1: Oh, uh, well, that bears are traditionally one of the ones they really fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well this is the about the world is... is changing though. See yeah. that's the difference maybe between the you know You know, the... I, I have hope in Disney Night Show. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. they're beginning to, to wise up about yeah. this. Well you're gonna watch it, let me know. I let mean of course. Think, I will yeah? what's, the, the what's the film? It's about bears.
0: Mm-hmm. It's about three bear cubs and their mother walking through a part of Alaska. Okay. My uh, hope is that it will not be narrated and we will just get to, the, you know, two hours well, or an hour and a half of bears. Yeah.
1: Well, but narration could be good. It, but, but it has to, you know, <laughs> well, Yeah. but who knows what that is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look particularly, I've seen The Wolf
0: of Wall Street, I've seen a bunch of these, God, American hustle. I've seen a bunch of these absolutely crap movies recently. And out of the, that, the only one I liked was saving Mr. Banks, which actually I haven't watched that. Movie. That's on my yeah. that's on
1: my list. I've got it downloaded. It's just sitting there and I've actually highlighted it because I- someone
0: who has lived in the UK, the US and Australia, it it covers those three areas. Yeah. Yeah, and it also explains very strongly just something that gels very strongly with me, associated with my mother and my grandmother, because they both were. My mother still is correcting my grammar. <laughs> they both were just real brutish, hard ass women that just lived that way, and that's yeah, the way yeah. they existed. It was their world? That yeah, was, yeah, and it was their story. Yeah, and, and you know, very strong feminist figures in their own right. And this movie really... That was the thing that got from me. Also because it has some pitch-perfect elements. And really, you know, the Disney Corporation, Mousewits, call it what you want to call it. You know, it's gone through a lot of upheaval in general. I think some of the stuff that they've produced and some of the vision that has come through that is better if some things relatively exist than if it had oh, not yeah. been there. a sure. uh, the lot of it is yeah. crap.
1: They've, but no, but they've done some good stuff. Yeah, they, Dis- Disney them nature them. as
0: it existed, you know, in the 50s and the early 60s was doing stuff that no one else was doing. No
1: one had ever done. The Ed- Living Desert. Yeah. You remember yeah. that one? Yeah. I mean, yeah. God yeah. damn. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Was a, that was an eye opener to so many people. Yeah. How to imagine, how to imagine a world without omnipresent media? Well, you really, you're right. That's, that's the whole, that, I mean, I, that seems to be the, the sort of deal breaker with the old civilization is that, uh, instant media everywhere, all of us interconnected now. There's no precedent for that in history. Yep. There's no, there's no function. There's no, there's no system for us to get organized and manage ourselves here you know we get all these crazy fucking ideas capitalism and democracy and all this shit out there so how are we gonna get organized
0: yeah the the fact that what exists currently completely undermines the defining elements of democracy the notion (laughs) that you'll never be able to to collectively <laughs> communicate on a mass scale, so what we're going to do is elect this one dude to represent. That's right, fifty thousand of 12, you, yeah, right. or yeah, or three hundred million of you, as exists <laughs> yeah, in this case, yeah, right? And yeah. you know, and that's going to be the way it's going to be because you'll never have a circumstance where yeah. you can communicate with. Well,
1: everyone. there was never any circumstance where that could have happened before. Until now. that's why they need. That's why it's so hard for so many people. They're so stuck in their. Yeah. Yeah. fucking story that they can't get that we've got new technology now
0: <laughs> so i have to get up early tomorrow and record model rail radio because there are listeners in germany that have felt over the past however many recordings that i have not given the german listeners an opportunity to contribute oh,
1: so you have to get up early i think i'm gonna have to call it a night here oh, really? i think this oh, has, has been made? a really good one what a though, dedicated and- uh, <laughs> podcaster, you are. I'm impressed, really. Yes. I would have said, fuck you. You know, yeah. if you air, stay up later.
0: Yeah. My spiritual <laughs> advisors at that same page. In fact, originally it was going to be starting at 10 o'clock. And then she said, no, we've got stuff to do at 11 at the house. You better get up pretty bloody early to get these Germans on. So,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, they're going to probably complain because now they're at work. <laughs> why don't you do it when i'm home in the evening
0: well the thing about it is actually that um i'm now actually <laughs> recording and when we have the house i'll do this even more so i'm recording model rail radio at different times to try and capture different audiences yeah like american insomniacs for example or like australians <laughs> yeah. And kind of yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah there yeah, really is nice. if
1: you're global you have to consider have to all of all that all stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah and so what have you decided how do you do that i have
0: typically either a uh, or 10 a.m. recording session. And
1: that's for who? uh,
0: That's for uh, the Brits, uh, Americans. Okay, for Europe? uh, Europe, yeah, Europe predominantly. Then I have the 4 p.m. through to like 9, 10 p.m. Pacific time, which is also capture the Brits and the Europeans who stay up late, yeah. plus captures all the Americans, all the Canadians, all those folk, plus a yeah. bunch of Australians who are like the next day in the morning and then I yeah. do one from 8pm through to midnight which captures again all the Australians, the insomniac Americans, a variety of early rising folks in the UK What about Asia? Um, Asia's interesting, I've been wanting to get on more Asian participants, we've had on a caller from China when we were back on the talk show days at the very end, and I, I can't recall whether his audio made it to the edit or not. Um, we've had on people who, uh, are based in Hong Kong, but are calling in from other parts of the world. But yeah, I'd like to get more Asian contributors.
1: Yeah, we need to get this, this needs to be from everywhere. Every, yeah. Everybody has to be in on this. The
0: thing is that actually the non, like non native English speakers that participate. I always do extra work in their audio yeah. but they are actually really fascinating to talk to.
1: Well, if they can if they're good enough that's the issue that's the problem though is yeah, just language get people is the, that just can't yeah. really hack it and you got to say sorry there's but also an element of fear as things. well. I mean yeah. you and
0: I do this Like, nothing. Yeah. Some
1: people, when they call in, they're like... Well, they're nervous. Yeah, there's all that shit, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, still, there's a a certain level of language they have to have in English, or it's not going to work. You know, Mm. you're just wasting your time, and they're feeling bad, you know. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Anyway, Heron, it's
0: been a good evening. It's been a long evening. We've covered a lot of topics, and uh, I won't be able to do it probably next Friday. I was thinking, actually, that we probably should start expanding to recording other nights. I well, whatever. I don't really care.
1: Doesn't mean was to me. We well, except you, you've no, got probably. a you've got a night of heavy drinking whenever we record one of these things. So. Oh, well, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, well, we need. Well, then you're right. Then it needs to be <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Easy. Well, we can probably do a Thursday. Night, I think. Probably. Yeah. Whatever. We'll um, work through it. Yeah, um, that provoked something in me, but it's completely gone now. So never mind. <laughs> Very good. Well, maybe I'll talk to you next Thursday evening. That would work out well for me. So well, yeah, I'm uh, I have through. no reason not to. So, that, yeah, I can uh, Friday I don't have to get up early and go to work. So. Very good. You know, actually I don't think this makes me feel bad in the morning though. Very good. Well, I hope you know, yeah, I don't think I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to risk it, however, Aaron. let's
0: try Thursday night.
1: Okay, well, night. I'm going to check how I feel in the morning anyway Very just good. to see what it's like. Okay. Definitely. See I'll no. talk to you soon, Aaron. Have a good night. See ya.